Dynatron. Dynatron. I love Dynatron. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please make yourself at home. Here we are on a Wednesday night after another grueling day at the office, which is me sitting right in this chair since God knows how. Did I go? Did I walk outside today? Yes, I did. I did. I had to. I had to make a stop with Aurora. We had to go pick up uh, tomato salad early this morning, and I got her a. Uh, I got her an egg sandwich that she likes. By the way, she's doing fine. Aurora's doing fine. Thank you guys and gals for all of the, you know, the concern of the audience and of course all the experienced parents in the audience. You you really gave uh, Lauren and I a, uh, a great deal of comfort last night because it was just crazy to see that lump just show up in 15 seconds. And, and I stayed up for most of the night watching her on the, the baby monitor just to make sure that she moved every couple of minutes, you know? So um, there was that. And she woke up fine, bouncing around, doesn't have any signs of concussion. So uh, thankfully, we uh, we created a hard head. I guess she got it from me. Um, that's it. Yeah, Lauren has a soft head. She has a little bit more of a softer skull. <laughs> she got the gabadost, got the hard head from me. Um Anyway, so welcome to the show. This is going to be a good one tonight. We've got Tony Merkel coming on. Tony is the host of the Confessionals podcast. Uh, that link is in the description, theconfessionalspodcast.com. It's a show which explores the mysterious, the unexplained, and ponders how it may fit, fill in all of the gaps of our understanding, our strange earthly home over here. And uh, it's a very, very popular podcast, and it only continues to grow because uh, he's he does so many wonderful. Um, he has so many wonderful ventures, especially in filmmaking outside of the show. That is interview based on the paranormal. We're going to be talking about UFO disclosure patterns in the media tonight, abduction theories, cryptids, portals, and a few other interrelated topics. It is all interrelated because it's it, when you think about it, it really has a lot to do with the unseen world, which seems to be, you know, uh, enmeshed with ours but not always visible. Hmm. Well, anyway, most of the topics and most of the, the questions that came in tonight and made it into the, the, the notes came from the audience. So it's going to be for you guys. It's going to be from you guys. Thank you guys for helping me produce the show tonight. Thank you, Blue Monster Prep, for our uh, for sponsoring the show. As always, many people still get in touch with me. Said Frank, thank you so much for bringing on people like Blue Monster Prep. They're wonderful people. They're parts of the audience, and uh, there's plenty of you out there, thousands of you out there, who have already stocked up things in their homes, their fallback locations. They got new first aid cabinets, new first aid kits, uh, everything. The, the radios, the solar power. That's one thing I still have to do is the solar power, but that's. Um, who the hell knows where it all goes, right? As long as you got a little bit to eat, as long as you can plug a uh, a sucking chest wound. <laughs> I don't know how long how long you can do that for. Plug me. Plug me. Anyway, there's that. BlueMonsterPrep.com. Promo code, frankly. Also, the Quite Frankly Elevation Blend. There's going to be something interesting announced by the end of the week. The mugs are in. The mugs are in. These are gorgeous, handmade. They've been getting handmade for the last month and a half. Okay, handmade. 
So now there is an official, quite frankly, mug. You know, there was a variety uh, a couple of months ago. Well, no, no more variety. Now it's the official, quite frankly, mug, and it is so beautiful looking. And uh, I'll tell you all about that soon. All right, uh, let me see here. Let me see here. That's all I got for you. So let's just jump into some grab bag. That's what I want, the grab bag. Oh, hold on. There you go. Let me get this. And boom. That's what we're listening to right now. Espresso del Lago, Falling Man. It's a chill song that I've loved for many years. Um, I loved a lot more than this woman loved her date, who she stabbed 100 times to death. This is from the Daily Mail. Although you wouldn't know it because it's buried under ads. Um, woman, 33 years old. There, there's that 33 number again. I'm sure, I'm sure people like... Uh, Tony pay very, very special attention to that. Woman, 33, who stabbed her date 100 times in a, listen to this, a weed-induced, a cannabis-induced frenzy. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but it has been getting harder and harder for me to resist weed-induced desire to kill the last couple of years. That's why I've been smoking less, because the, the desire to stab people hundreds of times has been getting a little bit harder and harder to ignore. Weed-induced frenzy is sentenced to, get this, 100 hours of community service. Stabbed a man to death 100 times, and she gets 100 hours of community service as a judge says that she had no control over her actions after cannabis caused a psychotic break her date another 33 year old his name is brian was killed oh wait no no, that's her bryn oh gosh specter specter killed chad omelia then 26 after hitting a bong she took a bong rip and then she stabbed him 100 times uh this is just incredible the, the, the victim's family cried when the verdict was given and warned that it gave everyone who smokes marijuana in this state a license to kill. How this is being made about, th this is ridiculous. Almost as ridiculous as the sentence. That is one hour of community service per stab wound. So I guess you can't say that they went easy on her. An hour per, it should have been a year per stab wound. Damn patriarchy, I swear. But um, that's just incredible. That's and what the hell's his his issue? Was he ambushed? Was he on the uh, on, on a couch? I couldn't find anything. Was he on a couch? Was he not facing her? How did she rip off a hundred stab wounds without having anything? I I don't know. This thing really makes me feel odd inside. Very odd. Wonder what the hell he was up to. I don't want to be in that position, but still. All right. Now here's another thing. We had another primary last night. I have to comment on this real quick before we get to the everything really kicked off. We had another primary last night, and we were actually able to again announce a winner pretty quick, and it was Donald Trump. Now, uh, Trump won by as it stands right now at least ten points. But if if we're only Republicans voting, without the troll factor which is what is what is being, uh, you know, uh, really dived into right now, uh, what would the margin be? 55, 60%? CNN put this into perspective. CNN, 
just think about this because this is this is going to stuff this is stuff that we have to start filing under the Time magazine election fortification stuff. Listen to CNN. This is provided by the Daily Caller. A whopping 70% of Nikki Haley's voters in New Hampshire primary weren't registered Republicans. They weren't, but they showed up anyway to try to <laughs> bring it to Donald Trump. This it's it's all such a joke. Listen. Oh, hold on a second. Let me turn this down. Let me put this up. Great. Might play out. Let's go back to David Chalian with that. And David, you're getting more on the ways that Republican primary voters don't see eye to eye. Yes, that's right, Jake. In these exit poll results, you see a Mars and Venus universe for Haley and Trump coalitions here. Take a look at the numbers. Among Trump voters, 70% of them, according to our exit polls, are registered Republicans. Donald Trump... His support, 27% of his voters are registered undeclared. Which is, which is on par because as we were seeing all throughout, 2000, especially after 2016, once he had some time in office, we were seeing that at least 30% of the people who were attending his rallies were at least former Democrats or currently registered Democrats that just, just changed, but people who were in exodus. Or independents. Uh, 3% were unregistered before today. Look at how that compares with Nikki Haley. It's a complete reversal. It's an alternate universe. Among Haley voters, 70% are registered undeclared. <laughs> Only 27% are registered Republicans. So what would that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> that, that means that a whole shitload of Democrats are voting in these open primaries um, to try to troll and, and try to do everything they can to, again, just make sure that something unethical and uncanny happens. That's it. They really put it into perspective. Open primaries are a joke, especially with the current culture that we have. Now, I don't see conservative-type voters, call them Republicans, call them whatever the hell you want. I don't see non-progressives doing, even being willing to put in that kind of physical effort for a Democrat primary. We're more prone to sit back and watch their debates and crack jokes and make memes and all that other stuff. But this kind of physical effort, no. This is the kind of stuff you see coming out of the Democrat Party primarily because they are their whole party platform is akin to obsessive ex-lovers who would happily set their alarms to 3 o'clock in the morning so that they can remind themselves to get out of bed and to go and key your car, okay? Switching their party affiliations to vote for Snow Miser in uh, New Hampshire, that's nothing. That's nothing compared to these lunatics, what they're willing to do, okay? And here's another one, CNN, another CNN interview. Just putting it all out there. CNN interview with a guy, one of those Democrat stink bomb voters. Listen to this. Here's a guy who just pretty much said, this is what I'm doing. Nikki Haley. And why did you vote for Nikki Haley? Uh, it's a vote against Trump. Uh, I think it would be better to have her against Biden in the uh, elections than it would be Trump and her. Do you consider yourself generally independent, Republican, or Democrat? Uh, Democrat. <laughs> so when you undeclared, you voted for Nikki Haley. If it was Nikki Haley against Joe Biden in a general election, who are you voting for? Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> now this... This is the type of guy who would let a woman stab him a hundred times without breaking a fucking kitchen chair over her head, okay? Or at least trying to.
No doubt about it. My gosh. Um, our friend, friend of the show, Chillum, she's out there. She put this together, said primary pivot. A little bit of a um, little bit of highlight on this. One last thing that we do before we go to the the uh, the break and we bring on Tony Merkel. Primary pivot has already moved over 3,500 Democrats to undeclared status in just under one week before New Hampshire. So they, they can vote for Nikki Haley and stop Donald Trump. This was on January 19th. All right. Just wanted to put that out there just so you know how much of a joke this all is. So you can add this to the Time Magazine election fortification pile. It is just romanticizing this coalition of government and media and the corporate world and grassroots activism, which is the only anything but organic, just to make sure that elections are fair by ensuring that only one side is capable of winning. That's just what it is. That's why it's being covered so proudly on CNN. It normalizes unethical behavior that is most certainly a precursor to criminal behavior come the fall, all right? You say, okay, well, uh, there's nothing criminal about undeclaring yourself and then going and, uh, you know, voting in, in an open primary or whatever the hell. Nothing criminal about it. Certainly unethical. So people who do this are not only fine with cheating, but they're actually convinced of the nobility of cheating. Just want to say it's all a joke and these people are psychopaths. We'll be right back with Tony Merkel. Enjoy the show. I know it's going to be a good one. BRB. I refuse to go along with this, and I'm seeing through all of your lies, Barack Obama, you wicked, wicked devil. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Welcome, 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 welcome. You know, it's been a little time. Uh, it's been a little time since we've been able to get into some paranormal stuff. And I can't wait to do it again now that we're in the dead of winter. And we spoke with Tony Merkel not too long ago because Tony came on the show in in December to wish everybody a, a, a Merry Christmas. And that's the first time that you guys and gals got to see a little bit of Tony Merkel on this show. That we, But though... He and I have been speaking for a, a, a while at that point, and Tony is the host, as I said before, of the Confessionals podcast, which has amassed over, get this, 32 million 
downloads in the last six years, quite a feat. I don't actually know how many downloads I have or views because I've had to wipe out my YouTube account so many times over the last over the last eight years. I'm probably down to like 100,000 views. So that's the official number. Um, drawing a dedicated weekly audience of 35,000 to 40,000 listeners in his show explores the mysteries of the unexplained from Bigfoot to dogman encounters to UFO sightings, abductions, and the reality of portals and other dimensions and even uh, traditional hauntings, which is I really I really love getting into that. So it makes uh, it makes the entire thing a must listen. And I have enjoyed his friendship over the last couple of years. And here he is tonight. Tony, how you feeling? Feeling good. Thanks for having me, man. This yeah. has been a long time coming. It absolutely has, you know, and it was great to have that, you know, five minutes with you um, over the Christmas, uh, the lead up to Christmas. But now that we get a little bit of time to to stretch out here, uh, let everybody know. And I would like to know, too, because I know you, you started off and I think you said in in uh shipping trucking that you're you're on the road at least you're doing something construction related or anything anything like that but whatever the hell you were doing it's a long ways away from what you're doing now so tell us about how you finally gave yourself over to being not only self-employed but really uh pinning yourself down inside of the new media oh man it's been a journey it's been a journey uh it was a, it's I, quite honestly it's been a supernatural journey uh and i mean that wholeheartedly i uh Seven years ago now, January January 19th, 2017 is when I dropped my first episode. And leading up to that day, um, back in 2016, I was driving my, my tractor trailer through Philadelphia. You know, I used to live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, that area. And I was driving my truck into Germantown Pike. And I was just, I don't even think I was praying, to be honest with you. Uh, I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and tell me that I was going to be a podcaster and that I was going to uh, work alongside of Wes Germer from Sasquatch Chronicles, which is a very large podcast. And um, I I never talked to Wes. I didn't know him. I knew his podcast, but as far as Wes goes, I didn't know him. And uh, per my tradition and habit, I went home that night and I just told my wife, I said, hey, I feel like God's telling me this, and I just want to let you know because you're my witness. Because usually usually it happens. So like when I would feel like God's telling me something, it, it would happen. And so I got in the habit of telling my wife just so that she's the second person to witness it. So it's not just me saying it. And um, <clears throat> about a month later, I was back in my tractor trailer into a dock at work. I was getting ready to go home for the night. It was about 830, I'd say, 8, 830. And I get a Facebook messenger phone call and it's from Wes Germer. And I'm like, what the heck? And you, and you, so you guys did not know each other prior to in any way, shape or form? Never talked to the guy. Never talked to him. Um, I had a Facebook group at the time looking into Bigfoot stuff, and uh, I venture to think that he found out about my Facebook group and saw that I was running it, wanted to contact me because it's like one of his first questions was, "Hey, uh, I would love to have you on the show to talk to me to, to tell your Bigfoot encounter." And I'm like, "Sucks to be you. I've never had a Bigfoot encounter, you know." And uh, we talked for like 45 minutes. And in that first conversation, he was telling me how he thought I'd be a good podcaster. And I was just like, well, um, <laughs> I already knew you were going to say that. I didn't tell him that. But um, I, did, I, did, uh, I did engage in the conversation. I started planning the, the path. And uh, he, he was like, yeah, man, like, I'll help you. you know, I'll tell you what, where to put your podcast. I'll tell you what to do with it and all that stuff. Because I was like, I don't know what to do. He's like, I'll help you. And uh, that's what he did. And so on the seventh, on ninth, the nineteenth of January, twenty seventeen, I started the podcast. I launched my first episode, 
And uh, it was it, it's been an evolutionary process since then. Um, when I first started the podcast, I didn't really uh, know what direction I was going to go with it. I was kind of into the Bigfoot topic at the time. And uh, we did more more of that than not in the beginning but as time went on it just evolved into a monster of you know talking about upright walking dogs portals interdimensional shifts and all the crazy the crazier the better but um yeah i was a truck driver man in philadelphia and um just living my life and i really thought i was just going to be a trucker uh my dad's a trucker i got my cdl when i was 21 i floated in and out of the industry and then when i was about 28 27 28 I dedicated myself to it. And I was like, I'm just gonna be a truck driver. And uh, that's what I was gonna do is a good, honest living. Uh, it's just, it sucks in the sense that you have to work so many hours. You don't see right. your family. You kind of watch the whole world pass you by. Um, you're literally looking out a window for a living watching the whole world pass you by. And uh, for an extroverted person like me that always felt like inside uh, I was meant for something more, uh, it, it was soul sucking. And I wound up hating, I wound up hating my life. I, I was depressed a lot. And um and then this happened and I just jumped in with it and it just, it, it slowly took off. It took off, but it slowly took off. It, 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 I'm one of those classic cases of just you keep your head down. You keep grinding. You keep just don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Don't look around the room. Don't no. try to figure out what everybody else is doing. Just do you figure it out and go. And that's what I did. I treated it like a job. I would drive 12, 14 hours a day during the day. I'd come home. I'd kiss my wife for the first year of podcasting. We didn't have any kids. And so I just would kiss her, go upstairs to the third bedroom that I made my little makeshift studio in. And I would just sit in front of the computer a lot of times, just not knowing what to do, just knowing that I, I didn't want to waste time. And um, I, one thing that I heard Rogan talk about was uh, putting yourself in the, in the environment to be creative. And so I was like, okay, let me adopt that. And so I would just sit down in front of the computer. I'm like, I don't know what to do tonight, but we got to figure something out. And I'd start Googling how to become a better podcaster. I'd start figuring out how to network. And <laughs> next thing you know, it's three o'clock in the morning. I got to get up at six for work. And that was on repeat for years. And uh, you just keep grinding at it. And it's not pretty, but it got me. It got me out of trucking, which is great. Well, you know, I, it's, it's, it's crazy because it, Everybody can take different routes, but you have you have to go through the same trials, especially if you're in anything like this, a a broadcast business, or if you're presenting a, a program of any kind to somebody. It's uh, I really appreciate that idea of creating a place that you can be creative, and that's number one. Uh, but but I love how you you got the the focus thing down because. I can see how you can feel a little bit more to be in tune like that, to be able to get anything from what you believe or what you know is, is, um, is divine intervention. I, I really enjoyed uh, that part of your, your story to be able to, to know that, you know, God is communicating with you and to be able to go home and communicate that with your wife and have it be a, a, an act of, you know, witnessing something is that something that has always been very important for you guys? Have you know has has religion and faith been a big part of your life, or is that something that has cropped up in adulthood? Uh, I was raised in the church. Um, my wife became a Christian when she was like twelve, uh, but she, even though I was raised in the church and she was introduced to God at a little bit of an older age, uh, she's been a Christian longer than me. Um, I I was raised in the church. I lived in the shadow of my parents. Lived on, lived on their spiritual crutches for a long time. I just kind of adopted, I'm a Christian because my parents are Christians. And um, I even went to Bible college because uh, I didn't know what else to do with my life. So I figured, hey, I'll be a pastor and 
work one day a week. How hard could it be? And uh, I, I absolutely hated it. I wound up dropping out and uh, just kind of floated around in my adult life. Um, in the early, we got married at 21. I'm 38 now. Um, but like we just, uh, I just kind of worked on cars, uh, floated around with different entrepreneurial endeavors in and out of driving trucks and commercial vehicles. And, uh, I got to a point where, uh, a friend of mine <clears throat> and, um, I, I, I just want to say, feel free to cut me off if I go too long for you here. Um, but I, I got to a point where a friend of mine said, um, that, you know, he's a college cap. He was a college basketball coach and, uh, he got me into coaching. And so I started coaching college basketball for junk money. And um, in that period of time, I got really in, in shape and I started working out a lot and started feeling myself a little too much. And I got involved uh, with women that I shouldn't have been involved with and uh, turned my back on any kind of want with my faith and uh, was trying to purposely tank my marriage because I was a coward and I didn't want, my, I didn't want to divorce my wife because then I was in the wrong. So I was trying to get her to divorce me. I was a mess for years. And, um, and then I had a radical, uh, experience at a funeral one day. And, uh, I walked out of that church, a changed person. I had a one-on-one -on -one encounter with God. And, um, ever since then, you can't tell me there's not a God and you can't tell me anything. You can't shake me off of it. Like, like you could present the most sound theologically philosophically driven argument that God doesn't exist. Jesus Christ isn't the son of God. You're not going to shake me on it. I'll just be that a grumpy old man. that's like, no, you're not changing my mind on it. I know what I've experienced and, um, it, it's come true so many times. And so through that process, I, um, I, you know, of just finally for the first time in my life, leaning into God and really, uh, wanting to understand my maker, knowing that I'm never going to truly fully understand him. He's omnipotent. He's too big for me to fathom. I wanted to try and I would just dive deeper and deeper into the word. And, um, through that process, I started hearing the Holy Spirit, and I didn't, um, I didn't really recognize it at first as the Holy Spirit. It was, it took a time where I was, I was driving truck, and I felt, I felt like I was like, I feel like I should invite my boss, my terminal manager, to church for Easter Sunday. I was like, I ain't doing that. Like, if I invite him and he says no, it's kind of awkward. So I didn't, I didn't invite him, and. Um, and then the following week after Easter, I was talking to another uh, driver at work who was a Christian, and he's like, yeah, you know, our boss, Jason, he's been looking for a church to go to. And right there, just like clicked yeah, in my head. I was man. like, when I, feel, when, when I feel that inside, that's the Holy Spirit. It was like, it was like I had to go through that process of, of discovery. And once I learned how to hear the Holy Spirit and recognize when the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, um, it, all bets were off. And, and I just, I, I, just as stubborn as I am in my faith in Christ, when I felt like, uh, I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me when I, when I had that happen, whenever I would have that happen, um, I was just like, it's going to happen. Synchronicity goes off the charts when, yeah. when you get into that zone and when you're, when you're in that presence and, and you bring yourself there. Um, yeah. and you, you know, whatever that source, you know, a lot of people, they, they spend a lot of time trying to customize the way that they, they, they describe it. Uh, but it really always comes back to the same thing for me, and I and I'm on the same page as you. And I really appreciate that um, you have to be able to contemplate where where life takes you. I I think about where I was ten years ago, even just ten years ago. You know, pri you know, and that is seven years before your my 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 daughter was born. And you know that no matter how many life changes goes on uh, in your life, 
then there is just like a BC and AD is before child and and after child. Yeah. I mean, everything changes again there. So to to hear that about where you were before and 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 where you are now, it's uh it's miraculous, and, and I'm totally down with it. And you know, I was going to ask you about your own paranormal experiences, but you already said I didn't have a big Bigfoot experience. You, uh, it looks like you're like me, where I love collecting the stories of people who have and try to you know really like plug in the gaps of our understanding of what's going on in the world. And as you also said about God, uh, we could we could do what we can to try to bring ourselves into a little bit more alignment with what is morally right and and just in the way that we we live our lives, but how can you really fathom the the true understanding of what the universe is? And in there is my biggest question to kick off our paranormal discussions tonight, because especially in communities of faith, um, uh, I mean the the one that I'm closest to is the uh, is uh, is Christianity. There is a lot of split on what the nature of the paranormal, the supernatural is, whether or whether whether or whether or not there is uh there are aliens that are in intergalactic space or are they interdimensional? Are they aliens at all? Are they angels and demons? Is it all biblical or is there a mix of a whole bunch of things? What the hell is Big Bigfoot? I mean, there's so much split in there. How do you navigate uh how do you navigate through through that stuff because you have such a wide wide array of uh subject matter that you cover that is usually rejected out of hand by by a lot of people of faith yeah uh it's it's been an evolutionary process for the last seven years uh you know when i first started doing this stuff i was going to a church that you know was pretty mainstream type of christianity which is what i needed at the time i i didn't like i don't know if i was ready for anything else to be honest with you and so um, I, I think that there's different churches for different types of people in, in that sense. Like, I think as long as they're preaching Jesus Christ, Son of God, uh, the gospel kind of thing, I, the way, because I mean, some churches are designed for people who are more new believers and some are for senior believers that are kind of like, let me give me the meat and potatoes. I don't need the cupcake stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so when I first started, you know, talking about this stuff, I'll tell you what, man, um, I came out of my Bigfoot closet. I was quiet about it for a long time. The only people that knew about it was my wife and my parents. Nobody knew because I was like, I'm not trying to talk about this stuff. And it was just like my own little guilty pleasure. Uh, and a, a guy at work found my Facebook stuff and he outed me. And I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> but uh, it was the worst. Like, um, But I started talking about it with people at church. And, you know, people were kind of perceptive as, uh, oh, Tony's a weird guy. Okay. You know, like it was just like, whatever. Um, but the thing that uh, I, I always think about when people ask me a similar questions is uh, one Sunday I was standing with people before church. It was a church plant. So we were kind of um, we were kind of just setting up the chairs and kind of getting everything together. And we we're wrapping that part up. And the worship band was on stage practicing. Well, those people were done. They came down. This one kid and I do call him a kid. He was like 20, probably not even 20 years old. Uh, he came down off the stage. He was leading worship that day, and he kind of came over to us and started listening to the conversation. And he heard me talking about Bigfoot, and he go, he like scoffed at me, and he goes, "Wait, you actually believe in Bigfoot?" And the the way he's, I can't even say it the way he said it. It was so condescending. Yeah, and um, you know, I fought every like I, I just wanted to grab him by the hair 
and 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 slam him to the ground kind of thing. Like I I I the love of Christ was not in me there. I was because the way he was talking to me, I was like, kid, here's the thing, man. And I didn't say this to him. I just kind of brushed it off. But I was like thinking to myself, we're literally standing in a church, getting ready to worship a God we never laid eyes on. And the reason why we say we believe he exists is because we say we feel him in our heart and we read about him in a book. And you're telling me I'm crazy because people say they see an upright, walking, hairy creature out in the woods, which resembles something like a gorilla, only a little bigger. And we also know Gigantopithecus actually existed in recent history. Like I'm, I, like I'm the, I'm the disgusting, crazy person. <laughs> and and, and it, I, I was, I was so angry, and um, I, I started getting that kind of commentary towards me over time, and it kind of pushed me away for a while. And I was just kind of like, you know what? I don't need these people. I, I, I can, I can, you know, grow spiritually on my own. I'm not, I, I don't need to be incorporated in a, into a body. If this is where they're going to treat me and talk to me uh, because of my interests and stuff, uh, I'm out. And I, I, I left. And that was, I, that was a mistake. I, I, I'm back in church now. Um, but I think that the, the modern Christian church, they're not, they're, they're starting to, I, and from my experience, I think they're starting to change. Uh, I think they're being forced to. But um, for a long time, they divorced themselves from the supernatural aspects of their creator. Uh, you, they they, they want to talk about the, the, the cupcake stuff, the easy stuff that everybody can kind of come to understand and agree on. You know, Jesus Christ, he's son of God. He died. He rose three days later, defeated death, walked amongst men, ascended into heaven because he's God. Like that, that's, that's comfort zone. Uh, when you start asking questions about Genesis six and these Nephilim creatures and fallen angels having sex with women and all this 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 stuff that you just isn't talked about, um, people don't really know how to comprehend that. And I don't want to blame them because I didn't at one time either. Uh, my conclusion over these years of looking at this stuff is I just think that overall, a large portion of at least let's just say the Western American Christian Church has divorced themselves from acknowledging the absolute supernatural essence of their creator and how he tied it into creation. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I just don't agree with it. And I'm fortunate that when I moved to Tennessee, I walked into a church and I, and, and finding, listen, finding a church for me is very difficult because I got to find a church that I like. And then I got to introduce myself to the pastor and leadership and say, Hey, this is who I am. Are you okay with what I do for a living? Cause if not, I got to know now. Um, I walked into the church and this lady starts showing me around. I walked into the sanctuary and this guy comes walking over to me, shakes my hand and he says, hi, I'm Jerry. I'm, I'm the pastor of the church. And I said, hi, I'm Tony Merkel. This is my family. And he goes, I thought that was you. I subscribed to your YouTube channel. I was like, All right. I'm home. We're good. I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. I found it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I answered your question there, but yeah, I think no, that it answered. Cool. You, yeah, you answered it very well. It, it, it's one of those things that I see. Um, I see happening a lot there too, where uh, you're saying that people are being forced to face this stuff now. Well, if I were to go back 15 years, where you know we were just start, we were already doing what we're doing with the live streaming for a couple of years at that point. Um, it, it was really, it really came down to, um, especially when we were talking about UFOs or the the idea of something in the sky that is of non-human origin or anything like that. It, you would get people say, "Yeah, I believe it. I think that probability is on our side. That in a in a universe this this large, that we're not the only organic, uh, you know, carbon based life forms that have had the, uh, the the divine breath breath, you know, breathed into them." Um, 
or that we were the first or whatever the hell else. And then there is secret space programs. Where did that come from? All this other stuff. There, there was a lot less consideration. A lot more people were just checked out. And then to your point about especially people of faith or churches or congregations being made to face that there is something going on that has either been hidden from us or is now just being revealed through one method or another in the skies and elsewhere that it, uh, oh yeah, yeah, there's something going on up there, but it must be demons or it must be aliens and or or angels and nothing in between. So just the fact that the, the goalposts have been moved to, well, it's just demons and angels out there in their celestial, uh, you know, uh, vehicles doing their thing, and it's remnant technology from the biblical uh, the battles of, uh, you know, Genesis and all that. It, it is, um, it's interesting to see those gold posts just getting moved to where now it's being acknowledged, and we're going through all of the, all of the, the explanations that that really just make people comfortable, keep them in that comfort zone, the cupcake zone, as you said before. So I uh, that that I uh, I've been. I've been really having a lot of fun with that there too. And there's plenty of derision. There's plenty of judgment that is cast and you just got to put up with it. But like I said, as long as you find yourself a nice home, you can deal with all the craziness outside of those four walls. Cause at least, you know, you have stability on the inside and um, that's, that's pretty cool. And I, I like, I'm glad I asked you about this stuff. This is really cool to know. Yeah. I, 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 listen, man, one thing I learned over the years, I, early on, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to be as a podcaster, you know, and I think I think a lot of people who do what we do go through that one way or another, trying to understand what kind of character I want to be on air and who, what do I want to represent and like, what do I want to project myself to be? Um, early on, uh, I tried being more journalistic with everything I do and, and that's the right question. And it's just not me. I'm not a journalist. Uh, you're a fantastic interviewer. I've been listening to you since I've been driving truck. And like it, I, um, I realized I'm more of a conversationalist mm -hmm. in being a conversationalist. I just need to be myself. And I figured, you know what, if that's not enough and this sinks the ship, then maybe that's it. And maybe I'm either misread the cards or God had fulfilled his purpose, you know? And, uh, but what I found out was by being myself, opening up and just having fun and uh, not, not taking myself too serious, not, you know, trying to be anything I'm not. Uh, it, people seem to, seem to gravitate towards it. And um, a lot of people have come, and this is for me personally, uh, the most significant thing. Uh, it's not what I set out thinking it would happen, but through a paranormal podcast and me just being myself authentically and speaking about my faith when it's relevant, uh, a lot of people have come to Christ through the podcast, which for me has been just a phenomenal thing. Um, I'll tell you a real quick story and I'll, I'll let you take us away somewhere else. But um, there's a couple in Australia that I like telling the story because he was listening to my show and Australia is a very secular nation. Uh, and he's listening to this podcast, paranormal podcast. That's what he's into. And he finds out that I'm a Christian. And I just say things here and there on my show. Like, I don't set out to preach, but if somebody says something about God and they bring it up, we'll talk about it. And uh, through that, he started feeling like, hey, you know what? Maybe I want to start going to church. And uh, he goes to church. And he, in church, finds salvation through Christ, goes home to his girlfriend, and he's like, listen, this is what's going on. And uh, he's like, he invites her to church with him. And then she goes to church. And then she becomes a Christian. And they're both listening to my podcast. And then they go home and they start feeling convicted because they're living together un unmarried and they go get married. And then they get, when they, after they get married, they're like, you know what? 
we want to dive more into the word. And so they go to Bible college. And last I heard, they're in Bible college together, studying to be in the ministry. And it's all started because they're, he's listening to a paranormal podcast in America. <laughs> and for me, like th those kind of stories, that's the most satisfying thing for me. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's probably why it's happening. And that's why this is why God kind of put me in this position because maybe, maybe it's more unique than I think it is or should be where people just kind of be themselves and let God do what God does. Oh, I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. And, and you know, because you've been doing it, you know, it, uh, in three years, you'll be doing this for 10 years already. And, <laughs> and I, uh, then, and you know, just as well as I do that there's so many things that go on behind the scenes with people reaching out the, the the craziest things that you do that you don't even pay attention to that that really touches somebody in a way that sets them off down a path and i've had those situations and and it and it feeds back into you and makes you double down i mean just yesterday you know um if it weren't for the direction that my show had gone in with the the, the people that have come on i've become friends with the topics we've discovered and and explored uh, my wife and i just yesterday we we, we sat down with um with uh, a, a a priest I know who has been preparing us to actually get married again on our anniversary sacramentally now, because when we got married in 2017, you know, we had the pastor that showed up, but it was at a golf course. And we, you know, we did our, we took our vows and we took those very seriously, but now it's about the sacrament. And now it's about rearing children in the church. And, and that's something that is so alien to me. But at the same time, I feel like I'm 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 plugging into a source that is. I mean, I I need more of it, and I want to. I and that just so it not only it creates this continual feedback loop where you know that people are getting something, and in turn it feeds back into your life, and it's just mutually beneficial. And and I know that you you know what that feels like now. Um, so this was wonderful. Um, let's um, let me ask you this now since we have set the stage for why we talk about the weird shit that we do. Yeah. Um, I got an email, an email. It's usually what it, what it comes down to. The emails are the best part of the job. Hey, Frank, I'm listening to last night's episode. This was a couple of weeks ago. Another banger, by the way. And I came up to the end where you got into the alien abduction topic. Tony Merkel, who I've heard you both shout each other out recently, has some good insight on this based on conversations he had uh, with L.A. Marzulli. Uh, who proposed that the cattle mutilation phenomenon is tied to a breeding program, which I thought was a very interesting idea. I think either would be good guests to discuss the topic if you can get them on. Well, you're here tonight. So he said that basic theory is that our government was offered the same deal that was offered in Genesis 6, and our military-industrial complex got weapons and technology in exchange for a new Nephilim breeding program that so Satan can have an army in the upcoming Armageddon. Now, uh, this is from Brian Mullaney that that wrote wrote into that. I wanted to throw that at you to, to get your opinion, but tie it into what Tark Tucker Carlson was saying at the tail end of December of last year, where he was uh, he made several appearances to talk about the UFO phenomenon and how he was too spooked about what the implications of it were to even talk about it and discuss it with his wife. That he believes it's spiritual and ancient in origin. Um, so. I want to just throw that out your way, and we can start picking this one apart. What do you think the uh, that is all about? Well, I think he's right. I think it is spiritual and ancient in origin, and uh, it's nice to know that they're finally catching up. 
So I, I did. I have I had L.A. Marzulli on the show a few weeks back, and I, I do want to say this. Um, I came out with an episode 400 something. I mean, we're we're I'm now in the 600s, but uh, it was called Nephilim Portal Babies, and this idea has been in my inner circle for a while now. Uh, my friend Joel Thomas has been talking about this idea. Uh, I think he calls them meat sacks, but uh, this idea of of this interdimensional Nephilim uh, hybrid breeding program with for for future warriors, and um, we've been talking about this for a while. So when LA mentioned it to me on the show, I nearly like flipped because I was like, "Hold on, <laughs> you mean that's real?" You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like it was like, "Hold on a second. because you know sometimes I'm on the show and and we just like I, I'm telling you, man, I just let it rip. I'm just like the weirder the better. Let's let's see how weird we can make this conversation. And um, we through these conversations that we start getting a foundation as to what we think might be going on here. Uh, so it, to to go back to your your guest that emailed in, LA came on the show, and the gist of the show was that he believes. I, I think he fell short of saying that you know he he knows, uh, but he strongly believes, and I agree with him that uh, there is uh, much more deeper, darker, sinister things happening with uh, cattle mutilations than just some kind of weird phenomenon that's sucking the blood out of these, these animals. Like, I mean, if you think about probably the most popular, the most popular thought on cattle mutilations is more than likely, if you're trying to do the, the, the logical way of doing things, is probably it's some kind of black ops operation and they're testing new technology. Problem with that is it's been happening for far too long and they don't need to do that. They can just have their own weird black ops ranch somewhere with their own cattle and they can suck the blood out of them all over. Mm. Uh, they don't need to do it to some random rancher in Utah and then in Texas. Uh, there, it seems like there's, there's, we're missing something. And, um, I'm just going to get weird with you and your audience for you. Uh, Do it. We, we believe that there is an ancient race of fallen angels that are creating uh, hybrid beings, Nephilim, uh, to, for a future war, a future battle, a battle of Armageddon, the end, of the, the end times kind of thing. And um, there, so LA has a much better way of breaking it down, but he believes that the the bovine blood is what the key is because they're using that to uh, foster embryos in another realm and he has people who have come forward and i just actually just this past tuesday it's ironic that you bring this up just uh, this past tuesday this week this tuesday i had a lady on her name's karen and she is somebody who uh has documented evidence that she was pregnant and then she's no longer pregnant this is it there's no sign of her being pregnant, and uh, it happened multiple times. How old and, is she? Uh, she's probably in her fifties now. Did she? Did she ever do any? Give any of her testimony to somebody like Dr. David Jacobs? Possibly. I know she's she's been making her rounds. Her name's Karen Wilkinson. Okay. Yeah. So she she um she had she and this happened multiple times for her, and each time uh. There's just no proof that she was ever even pregnant. 
And uh, but she also has a long, lifelong history of alien abductions. I mean, she talks about having experiences where the abduction starts and she's lifted out her bed, I think when she was a child and being brought towards the window and she just literally materializes through the window. The window doesn't open up. She just kind of goes right through it. And, um, and so she, she came on and told her story about how this all kind of unfolded for her and these different experiences. Uh, and she's been working closely with LA. In fact, she just came out with a book and, uh, I think the only way you can get it is lamarzuli.net. And, um, and she tells her story in there, but LA believes that, uh, the Nef- the fallen angels are these these alien entities are are abducting people, but they are removing these embryos out of womb or fetuses out of these wombs, and uh, basically, I don't know, cooking them in these these uh, meat sacks. In the terms of Joel, uh, these meat sacks to grow hybrid entities. Um, it, it's it's uh it, it, I know it's far out there and, and crazy. But um, it, it, for me, it just it, it seems it seems normal. Like <laughs> no, I talk I, about this stuff so much. It just is like, yeah, this is I understand. I know, and it's not crazy to me because because I I have listened to and read so much from people like Dr. David Jacobs, who he had appeared. I don't know how many times on on uh, shows programs like uh, Coast to Coast, and I have played some of those episodes on the after hour after hours programming on the website over the years. And what he called them were hubrids. They it was uh, they were uh, hybrid humans, but alien. Whatever he was talking about, I don't know if he really conceptualized as to what they were, whether they were biblical entities or whatnot. But he was saying that there was a hybridization program going on, and um, and specifically, he had been able to document um, quite a few compelling cases of just jacked pregnancies, like you were just talking about there. We're talking about confirmed pregnancies where there is just nothing left. It's gone after a while. And this is medically confirmed, just pregnancies that would disappear. And um, when I think about that and I think about all this uptick, me and Jay Dyer, we would, uh, there's been a, quite a few times over the last uh, couple of years that we would get together and talk about the uptick in in stories that would be published about mechanized reproduction methods, whether they be the artificial wombs, the the uh, the latex sacks that you see all these little baby uh, sheep and goats being you know grown inside of these artificial wombs, or the fact that AI seems like it would be a really um, logical uh, logical method of creating vessels through which something can inhabit it, and of course when you think about the the fact that AI is more and more uh, being positioned to be merged with human beings through, you know, Neuralink technology and anything else. It makes you wonder, you know, what do you physically open up a human body to when you have now merged it with something that has network connectivity? Um, And uh, I mean, it could be AI, it could be laboratory brave new world kind of uh stuff going on there and of course the hybrid programs that i've been i've been reading about for years this that doesn't make me feel any way shape or form like you know shocked but let me ask you this because when i'm i think about this and i'm sorry to the audience out there if you have to hear me ask this again because i usually ask it for um you know guests of your caliber um I'm always curious about the answer I'll get when we're talking about non-human intelligence from space, from parallel universes, or if you're just in the belief that there's 
you know, we're talking biblical narratives here. I have a really hard time grasping how our earthly governments have anything of value to trade or bargain with to even qualify us for gifts, whether they be technological or otherwise, from these entities. For instance, why would aliens or demons or angels, for that matter, need to negotiate with us to be able to take cattle or even to take people? Uh, I'd love to know what your thoughts on that is. Yeah, I don't think they do. Okay. I don't think they do at all. Um, if, if anybody feels like they struck a deal, I think it's just pure manipulation. And I think that it like, how do you get somebody to cooperate with you on a spiritual level? Make them think that they're in control. Yep. Let them let that let them feel like they that they 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 are in one step with it. Uh, so I no I I I don't think that they need to do anything of the sort. I think that any kind of uh, deal striking, if it even happened, uh, is purely manipulation. And um, I mean, imagine having. A, a powerful world government that thinks it's working with you like that that's that's a that's a whole level of manipulation on a spiritual level that will affect an entire nation um like you go for the head not the not the toenail you know and so i i think it's a it's a much more along along the lines of um trickery manipulation and like i said if it even happened uh, allowing having having these these world leaders believe that they are working with them like man like imagine being tricked to work with work with satan i know, you know? I, I, that's what i think is if it happened like and because i don't know if it actually happened i'm not saying i don't think it happened i just i really don't know i'm, I'm, I'm a jury's out for me but um i i definitely think if it did happen uh it's pure like man dude like it's just another it's just another level of manipulation that's how i view it for sure i'm with you because it's the one thing i could never so many people uh fall back on that there was a deal struck years ago i like no no and that's why even the disclosure all the the the, the talks about disclosure of of uh you know hidden technology whether it just be our own or of any kind of non-human origin whatever the hell it is wherever you know, I don't know, whatever Montauk chair we were plugged into when the schematics came through and we started building it. I uh, I don't know how anybody could look at this and say, oh, well, uh, we've 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 been uh, we've been striking deals with people. They're going to give us technology. We're going to give that. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And the other thing there, too, is, um, oh, well, we just want disclosure. We want disclosure. It's like, are you serious? You think that if there really is something that is, let's just talk about the idea of intergalactic space alien neighbors of ours. If they are coming here, they are at least a million years ahead of us in development. You think that an earthly media complex is going to be able to keep us from learning about them if they want to be seen? That's why I always come back to, I said, unless the entities are at the top of the hierarchy over here in, in, in this world, like someone like David Icke would suggest or anything like that, and the abductions and the disclosure phenomena is all just mind games to keep people rejecting everything. That is the only thing that makes sense, that the the so-called aliens are in control, that there is no negotiating with them. Um, and it has to be something like that if it's something at all. No, yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I, I think that, I think we're pretty easily manipulated. I've seen that a lot. Just um, 
even in my own experiences, you know, uh, my own experiences with people, uh, with my show, uh, I've caught, I, I've been manipulated on my show. Uh, I've caught people lying to me. And uh, to think that, you know, if you take that, just that simple idea and you kind of blow it up as a whole, uh, I, I think, I think humanity is easily manipulatable because we have something that I think is deeply rooted in us that we want to be gods. We want to be in control. We want to be in charge. We, we want to, we want to be the apex. And so when you're, when you, when you can't be, but there's a third party involved that, that will wants to make you believe you can be, it's very easy to just kind of fall hook, line and sinker for that kind of thing. And uh, I, I see it with a lot of people that, that are searching for meaning in this life. Uh, I talk to a lot of people and uh, you talk to people who ha are having interactions with entities and like bona fide long-term relationship et entity relationships. And you hear them talking and you, you hear the evolution in their story where it starts out, you know, not every case, but you know, it, it can start out, kind of like a, a scary situation. And then over time, they become more and more comfortable, more and more desensitized. And then all of a sudden they're communicating with this entity and this entity is saying, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you ascend to the next level. I'm here to help you become whatever. And, uh, you know, it, it, to me, when we're talking that when we're, when we're holding relationships and, and long-term, long-term relationships with entities, and letting these entities instruct us, I just, it makes me very, very nervous because I just know the history of humanity. And, and we really, we really do fall, fall for these things time and time again. And some people can say that maybe that, you know, that's me, that's me, you know, believing in God, an entity, the Holy Spirit, an, ent an entity, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do, I do feel like there's just a lot of manipulation involved with this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to change. I don't think it's going to change a whole lot. Uh, I think what we're starting to see is the spillover from the spiritual realm of manipulation into the physical, where uh, our own physical governments and stuff are going to start utilizing this stuff to manipulate us. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if UFOs and aliens becomes uh, magnified on a level we can't even imagine this year. I think it's going to be used to our to their advantage, and whether it's it's real or not, I think that they could just spin it. So I mean, there there could be definitely um, there could be definitely situations where you know things are actually happening and they're they're talking about it and stuff, but they could also be making up situations. I mean, I've talked to people who so uh, years ago, I think it was 2019, I had a guy on my show who uh, had an experience where he was in our military and he was sent on a uh, a, a mission. Uh, I don't know if it's a I don't I don't I don't want to say it was a secret mission, but he he basically was part of a team of people everybody had their job and the scientists that he went out with he's worked with before his job was to collect data and usually they would go out and do their job and come back and it was just nothing out of the ordinary other than what they do um this time he he described a situation where they were hiking uh, i think it was like a day or two journey into some kind of wilderness or something they came in on a boat he wouldn't tell me exactly where this happened um but he he comes across their target and he said this thing was nothing he's ever seen before it was like a it, it was like a crashed ufo only it didn't look like a saucer it looked like a 
like he, I think he said it was like a school bus kind of thing with wings on the back or something. Like that. I can't remember exactly the details of it. Jeez. I just in my head I'm thinking of the 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 image that the artist drew for the show. That's what I'm thinking about. Um, but he said it was cold to touch, and the environment they were in was very hot. He said, but the, the this object was cold to touch, and they um they got inside of it, and he starts collecting data. And uh, well, he doesn't start collecting. He goes to to attempt to start collecting data off this computer system, and um, it's it's covered in a language that he doesn't recognize. And he's going through his books trying to figure out what this thing is. And one of the scientists came over to him and said, "You're not going to find that language in there. Uh, just get your stuff together. We got to get out of here." And he's he kind of just shrugged the guy off, and he's like, "No, oh, whatever." And he keeps looking. And the scientist doubled down and slammed his hand on the book. And he's like, listen, you're not going to find that in there. Get your stuff together. We need to get out of here. And uh, he's like, what are you talking about? And he, and he goes, that's that's Enochian language. And he's like, what's that? And he's like, it's a demon language. Get your stuff. We're getting out of here. Mm. And um, and so they got their stuff together. They, they used thermite, destroyed the craft, made their journey back. He uh, talked about going through time warps. And uh, from now, I wasn't thinking like this back then, but nowadays... Uh, I would venture to say dimensional shifts. Uh, something was happening to him in in real time that was not just this physical realm. And uh, it scared him so bad that when he got out of the military, he left the country and he still is in a different country. Like when I call him and stuff, he's he's hours ahead of me. And um, and when I broadcast that show, uh, it went it went pretty big. And uh, he wound up getting visited by our our government. And uh, they were he got he got a lawyer and the lawyer came with him to the meeting because the local police came to him and said that, you know, you're being requested to come down to whatever precinct or whatever. And um, I forget all the details, but I remember him, him lawyering up and they were asking him questions, but they couldn't really openly speak because he was in front. They had the lawyer there with him, but they were asking him questions like, you know, do you, do you ever plan on doing anything to harm the United States? And he's like, no. Um, and that's all they ever bothered him, but it was after the episode aired. And now like that back then, like, like people were debating like this guy's lying and blah, blah, blah. And maybe people still do. I don't know. I don't read the comment sections. Um, but, uh, nowadays with everything that's coming out and stuff, it seems like everything that they're talking about is just confirming what my guest had said he experienced. So what is that? I mean, it was a physical craft that he went on, uh, but it, but it had Enochian language on it. Mm. Uh, scientist says it was a demon language. Uh, we're dealing. It seems like we're dealing with something. Is that, that is, is that what we're talking about? Like John D. Um, that you know, Enochian goes back to. Didn't John D. Uh, lay out this and try to try to transcribe it? Um, yeah, I I don't know much about that. In fact, I it's all alchemy I, and stuff like that. But but yeah, I, I yeah. understand what you're saying. You know, Tony, Tony, you, you, because I have to take a break and go on intermission. We have so, I knew that this would be one of those things where we can probably go talk for another three hours. So this is, right. this is going to take up the full two hours tonight. But, um, I got to say, and, and I, everybody, please come and find, uh, follow us over to pill.net or quite frankly.tv. It's two clicks. Don't miss out on this live, this live show. But, Tony, I cannot wait until you, you tell me when you start watching Twin Peaks and I'll start watching it along with you because, okay. To think about the other aspect of this, where you have a meddling government, meddling with technology in Twin Peaks, you know, David Lynch starts going into the, the, the birth of the atomic age 
and how there was some kind of a rip in space time. There was a doorway, a portal that's opened that entities with mixed intentions, both good and bad, are suddenly spilling over into where we are right here. And we, in our still very prim, we think that we're at the top of the the, uh, the food chain over here. But you know, in the in the greater scheme of things, we're very 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 primitive, and we're really just at the mercy of whatever their intentions are. And I'll tell you, man, it's going to add a lot of um, what ifery for you um, in your work. So, ladies and gentlemen, please, I'm gonna, uh, Tony, I'm going to put you on mute for a couple of minutes. It'll only be about two and a half minutes, and we'll be right back with you. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you know what to do right now. Follow us over to pilled.net or quite frankly.tv. It's a couple of clicks. There's no paywall, nothing like that. And we will definitely premiere this over the weekend on the YouTube fully without any interruptions, things like that. And then there's going to be, uh, it'll be archived all over the place, including podcasts. It's going as well as I thought it would and even better. And there's so much more to do. Follow us. I'll be there waiting for y'all. Be right back. The rest of the show is available exclusively at pilled.net. Follow the link in the description of the episode, get signed up, it's that easy. Or head on over to quitefrankly.tv, just press play. No paywalls, no censorship, no strings attached. So head on over, quitefrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole and pilled.net. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll be right back. Yeah, intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Quite Quite frankly. 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 Quite One of those nights, 
It is one of those nights, but we're clicking on all cylinders here. Got Tony Merkel of the Confessionals podcast, and like it's so much more than the podcast. He's um, got so many different projects that are forming. I'm sure, many more down coming down the pike. Filmmaker, and um, and we are just having a really nice conversation here. You know, Tony, I've got so many questions that have come in from the audience, even to the lead up to tonight's show, that I think uh, we got to get in on. Um, let me see. Can uh, I just say one thing real quick while you're before you do that? Please. Uh, I I just want to say I will. My ADHD went haywire that first hour. So if I went totally the wrong direction, I'm sorry. I just started talking. Like you asked a question, my mind just goes a million different directions, and I apologize for that. No, that's exactly what we needed. You okay. you you're talking about conversation? I mean, that's really the art of it. I I come into a show, um. I come into a show with a little bit of an idea of what I want. I don't, I know what I don't want to miss. What, what pieces I don't want to miss. Other than that, I mean, th this is a, I think that was a wonderful exchange there. Got a lot about your, your foundation. That's huge in understanding how you operate and where you're coming from. So um, I think a lot of people enjoy it. My wife, Lauren, just said she really uh, related to a lot of what your story was at first as I went into the other room to grab myself a little bit more coffee. So trust me. Uh, you, you did well. All right. So let's see. I have, um, I got some questions here from the audience. And the first one is, where the hell did it go? Grill. Okay, hold on. Taxation is theft said, Frank, can you grill Tony on the guy that he met whose job it was to shoot things that came through the portal at the Tennessee Collider? I know he's got more info on that than what he's told us. What the hell is this he's talking about? <laughs> oh, man. So, all right. So, I, I, I'll tell you what I can tell you, okay? okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I live in East Tennessee, and uh, when you talk about God stuff, I don't think it was an accident I moved here. I didn't realize how perfect East Tennessee would be for Tony Merkel. I just was – I was I was a political refugee, you know? I, I was – seeking safe haven. And, uh, I came to East Tennessee cause I thought the mountains were very pretty. So I bought a house at the foothills. Every time I turn on my driveway, I see the smoky mountains and it's beautiful. Um, I, we, we came down here. We didn't know anybody. I had never been to Tennessee till I bought the house kind of thing. You know, I was there once or twice looking for houses. Um, and so we're new in the neighborhood and there's a, a 4th of July party that we're invited to the whole neighborhood. And so I said to my wife and my wife's very introverted. And so she's very happy just to stay home and make it a, a four person endeavor, me, her, and the kids. Uh, and I was like, we really need to, you know, meet the neighbors and stuff. We don't have anybody here. So it's good to know people. So we go. And, uh, because I'm extroverted, I wind up mingling around and, you know, my wife then later yells at me for leaving her <laughs> alone. But, uh, I was, I was, I forget what exactly I was doing, but I saw my son was playing with another kid in a play area. And there was a guy over there standing there watching the kids. And so, you know, half dad, not knowing who the guy is and the other half wanting to get to know somebody, I go over and figured this is a good opportunity to introduce myself. And I introduced myself to this guy and he, he, he tells me who he is. And, and, uh, we start talking and, you know, he's drinking, everybody's drinking. It's 4th of July and, um, we're doing some small talk. And, uh, I don't know who asked who first, but I did wind up asking him, I said, what do you do for a living? And he's like, oh, I work over at Oak Ridge. And, um, I was like, really? Okay. So Oak Ridge, if anybody listening doesn't know, Oak Ridge is uh, where they developed the atomic bomb for world war II. 
Uh, it's known as this, it's the, called the secret city because when they were building it, none of the, the, the locals here in East Tennessee, granted it was sparsely populated. That's why they chose the area, but uh, nobody knew they were building it until it was there. It was just, it was built up, very secretive. Um, he works there. It's uh, basically DOD, you know, uh, high, high security, high level science going on. In fact, in my neighborhood is one of the scientists that, that was hired there that I met at that same party. He said that um, he said he's a scientist at Oak Ridge and he doesn't know, at least when I talked to him last, which was at that party, I haven't seen him since. Um, he does. He didn't know what he was being hired to do. They were hiring him basically to be on retainer for his brain. So whenever they needed him, then he'd have to show up kind of thing. So he, that, that was it. That's all he knew. Uh, and so just kind of paint the picture as to what Oak Ridge is, but also if people, and I'm sure your audience is familiar with the idea of CERN particle accelerator underneath the ground going between Switzerland and France, 17 miles in diameter, they're smashing particles together, opening portals over there. Uh, they will deny that, but Tony says so. So it's facts. Um, and in Tennessee here at Oak Ridge, they have a particle accelerator. They have the same thing, only it's just not as big. And in 2019, they, there was a publication that quoted one of their scientists saying that they were trying to find the mirror universe. And um, when that publish came out, when that publish, publication came out, uh, people like me were kind of talking about it and make, ha having a problem with it. And I think it kind of got away from them. And so uh, and I also believe it's partly revelation, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, revelation of the method, you know, basically revealing what you're going to do before you do a kind of thing or so they, they're guilt-free. Um, and they basically retracted it and they said that, uh, oh, we were just kidding. And, you know, maybe that's true, but uh, I haven't met a funny, a funny scientist, you know? No. <laughs> and like, I, I just don't, I don't believe it. I don't buy it, especially because of what I know is going on at CERN. You had the same device and now you're saying that. Come on now. Um, but all right. So I say all that, right. I meet this guy. He says he works at Oak Ridge, this place. And I'm like, really? I'm like, okay, well, so what do you do over there? And he's like, I'm security. I'm like, oh, okay. So what are you secure? And I'm just, and I'm not, I'm not being paranormal Tony. I'm being Tony from the block. You know, like I'm just, I'm just being a dude trying to get, get to know my neighbor. Yeah. Cause I thought he was a neighbor. He was actually invited there. He doesn't live in the neighborhood. Um, and he goes, and I said, so what, what, what are you guys guarding over there? Like, I'm thinking like atomic bomb, things like that. I'm not even thinking particle accelerator. And he goes, uh, I, I'm, I had said something like, uh, what are you guarding over there? And he's like, things that come out of portals. I, I'm hired to shoot things that come out of portals or something like that. And I was like, this guy has no idea who he's talking to. Like, he doesn't know what I do for a living. And he just says this to me. And I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of looking, looking over my shoulder. I'm like, am I being punked? Like, do these people know who I am? And, and they're just punking me. Uh, and I was like, really? And he, he goes, yep. And I'm thinking to myself, and that next thing I'm thinking is, this guy's drinking. It, like, he's drinking a lot. He's, like, been, he's been waiting to get this off his chest, too. He, he, that, he, he doesn't expect anybody to believe him. That's why he can say it so quickly. Right. So um, at the same party, I meet his wife. And me, his wife, and my wife are all talking in the driveway uh, fireworks are going off. My neighborhood loves fireworks. It was like, it was the best experience I've ever had on 4th of July. It reminded me of the sandlot when, oh. when that, that scene with the light, yep. the, the fireworks. And that's how it felt. And I was like, I looked at my children. I just moved there in April. It's 4th of July. I looked at my kids and they're having a good time. I was like, 
I made the right decision. Mm. Well, in that conversation, I get to know his wife and stuff, and she really liked us. And she's like, I really want to get to know you guys. And, and you know, my husband, and I told her what I do for a living. And she's like, he has, he, he needs to talk to you. He is a lot of, he just needs to get things off his chest kind of thing, you know? And so I'm like, okay, you know, I'm already interested in her husband. I'm just like, yo, and, and I love these. Like, I, I just saw him a couple of weeks ago. Like they're a good couple of good friends of ours. Um, and, uh, so I started talking with him and he just was real guarded, uh, uh, afterwards about it, but I did run into him at a birthday party. In fact, I think this was my second interaction with him. I ran into him at a birthday party a few months later that we were invite all invited to. And, um, he was walking downstairs to get some drinks and we were at a, at a, at a venue. And, uh, I just said to him, I said, and I said in front of his wife and stuff. And I said, Hey man, like the other, well, last time I saw you, you, we were talking, you mentioned about portals. I said, you were just kidding me. Right. And he goes, Oh no, I was serious. Um, I was serious. And I was like, uh okay mm. you know and so his wife kind of backed it up she told me other stories so um he he's one of the most uh i don't know if it's decorated is the right word but uh he, he's a very skilled recognizably skilled sniper that we had in our military um he he did a lot of a lot of stuff and um i i tend to be a little guarded more talking about him because uh i i I didn't realize that he would become a friend and I didn't realize what I was touching on right. at the time when I first started talking about it. And I, I don't want him getting in trouble. Uh, but I will say this, uh, since that whole thing happened, I got connected with a, another guy, um, at Oak Ridge and we had dinner and with small talk, you know, I'm, I'm a content creator and, uh, I, I get to know people in the area. Uh, this guy runs a gun range and, um, I'm into guns a lot. And so we were just talking and, and, uh, stuff and we had dinner and it wasn't until we left the restaurant, we're standing on the sidewalk. We actually got into what he does for a living and that he actually works over at, at Oak Ridge Y12 and he does security. And I brought up, uh, security to him. And I said to him, I forget how I said it to him, but I started talking, I started asking the question and he finished it for me. And he's like, yeah, portals. And I was like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, that's what, like, like both of them told me they never saw a portal open up. Both of them told me that they were told the first time a portal opened up, something came through and the sound of whatever was coming through was so terrifying. It left people running for their lives in the room. And that's what they do. They don't just guard the physical realm, but they also guard against the supernatural and, and so 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 when something comes through the other side that needs to be dealt with they're not just using you know shotguns I, what the hell are I you certainly doing? hope not <laughs> they gotta use like some particle they have to use like uh the, the ghostbuster uh you know the, the nephilim the, blaster 2000 seriously it, it's <laughs> it's got to be something it can't just be a 12 gauge shotgun um, I can, I, I know that they're training. So like these guys are, I mean, listen, you're not just going to go apply to be security at Oak Ridge. You have to have extensive skill and background in killing. And, um, th these guys that have that background still go through months, maybe even a year of training before they're actually on the job. Like, so I, I've never been able to get more details out of these guys. And, and that's the honest God truth. I haven't got any more details that the juicy stuff that I, I know more stuff that hasn't that doesn't have to do with what we're talking about, but um, it, it like literally not even on the Oak Ridge side of things, but um, it's crazy. 
I can tell you that. I mean, the only th- here's the, here's what I've tried breaking down in my head about this. Uh, I don't think either one of those guys are lying to me. I don't think either one of those guys are trying to punk me because the first time I heard about it was from a guy who didn't even know who I was. And so I think the only thing, the only rational thing in my head that I try to come to, to think that this isn't actually real is maybe during training, they tell certain groups, certain things. And that way they know if something gets out, they know which group it came from. Uh, and so maybe that's it. I don't know. But uh, it's like I talked about it on my show probably about a year ago. And, um, you know, they, 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 they're, still, they're still rocking and rolling over there. So I, I imagine nothing bad happened. Listen, you're, I'm hearing this secondhand and I believe them. I, you know, <laughs> so I, there's, there's just something obviously that, that, that is because of my assessment of you as well. And uh, it's crazy because you know I could save this for later on, but I I feel there's so much there's so much so much a strange parallel between your life and my life that's crazy. We're the same. I, I feel the same. I've Frank. I've told you that I told you this morning when we were talking on the phone about our our daughters. I felt like that since I was driving truck. I was like I just and I didn't want to be that guy that reached out to somebody and said, "Hey, I feel like we could be friends." So I just never reached out to you. But that's how I, that's, I, I swear to you, dude, like I, I've known about you for longer than I've been podcasting and I've always felt that way. Well, we, you know, we're the same age. We're coming, we come originate from the same part of the country. Um, we have daughters that are almost exactly the same age. It sounds like the relationship with your wife is very similar to the one um, I have with mine, especially, uh, you know, introvert, extrovert. You know, I, I, I never knew a stranger. Uh, whenever I, whenever I go to a place, you know, I, I'll just lead the way and we'll, we'll do fine. Um, so it's one of those things. There's just so much going on here. Um, it's crazy. So I already have a a level of, I trust, I trust your judgment already because I trust mine to a degree at least. And then, but then there's, there's this, that is so much of what we, I have heard from then again, it's, it's, it's not firsthand sources, but what was coming out of Montauk. You know, over here in New York, I live right along the Long Island Sound, and of course, right at the tail end of that, you got Montauk, you've got Plum Island. There's no, there's so many things that went on over there, from you know dealing with the metaphysical and the interdimensional to biological, with the the creation of Lyme disease right over there. And um, you know, I think about this, and I say, yeah, well, I, I've heard about that. That 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 it was either in New York or some other like Florida laboratory where. There, there's just creatures that come through the other side and destroy the laboratory that there needs to be a contingency to be able to put down whatever's there. And then, you know, you're bringing something through to a place that is not like over here. And if they are in some ways not physical, then how the hell do you subdue them? You need some kind of, I don't know, scalar technology. It, it can't just be a, a 12 gauge. I want to know so much more about that. It's too bad that uh, it's too bad. There's, there's not much more to know. Yeah, I, I don't think that they, as far as they've ever told me, I don't think they've ever encountered this situation uh, themselves, but they have been made aware of it. I, I mean, clearly, if you're being hired to secure an area, you need to know what you need to secure. Uh, and that will obviously give um, understanding to why you're trained the way you train. Yeah, they've They've told me how they train. And it seems a little excessive on the surface, you know? Uh, and so... Yeah, I mean, 
that that's what I have for that. But it, it kind of just uh, that and I'm glad you brought it up because honestly, like I forget a lot of different stories until somebody brings it up. And uh, that's one I haven't thought about for a long time. Like literally, I like, I was just with them a couple of weeks ago and didn't even cross my mind this whole thing you know like it just they became friends and uh it, but it, it's it's wild and what you just described to me man listen we're, we're living in stranger things it, like stranger things is real okay it, it, like it's a fantastic show and maybe i like it more than most people because i know it's real but it, it's a real thing this stuff is real and uh people do shift into the upside down and they find themselves in other realms and vice versa. I, I And I have theories on that as to how that works and why that is. But um, the fact is that there are people who have, uh, I think that there are people who have access to information, whether it's through supernatural means or given to them by somebody or an entity that comes here or whatever. Um, they have access to information that they put into their films, into their TV shows, into their books. Stephen King is one of them. Yeah. Uh, Stephen King is absolutely one of them. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think that this is that what you're talking to me about this portal stuff and the creatures coming through like, this is like right now in my life, like I said earlier in the first hour, it's been an evolution. I started out with just Bigfoot pretty much, you know, like this, I'm at, you're catching me at the point in my life where all I actually want to talk, like the things that I really, really want to talk about are interdimensional beings coming through portals and, and how people sometimes shift there, and like that—that's what I like talking about. Well, it, yeah, well, that's well, that's why I'm I'm going to say it once again. It's going to be so incredible to see what kind of deep dives you do on Twin Peaks once you watch it. Um, oh and, and now, and now, let me get let me get this out here too, because you know we're now we're talking about portals, and um, I, I mean on on Stranger Things, I'm sure that you saw this, but back in 2016, I remember when um, former United States Secretary of Energy. Uh, Ernest Moniz went on that drunk Chelsea Handler show and they yeah, I think uh, what's his name when from from Dawson's Creek was on there I forget what the hell was going on yeah that dude yeah well anyway they're sitting around and they're asking him they say you know they talk they spent a lot of time in this show uh, investigating parallel parallel universes and stuff like that. What can you say about that? Thinking that they're going to get some kind of denial or whatever. And Moniz goes on and says, well, hey, I, I can tell you that um, uh, I, I've never really seen the show, but well, we actually do work in parallel universes. And at that point, none of the none of the, the idiots on the show or the people in the audience even knew what they just heard admitted. And um, and to and to that degree, none of them ever looked into people like Jordy Rose and what he said about quantum computing and the doorways that's going to open up into other universes as well. But I mean, that that's all something those are all portals and passageways that are created in labs with high technology that may or may not be known to people like you and I. But when it comes to portals in nature, that's what I want to talk about for a little bit right here. Um, as we're cruising through the second hour, I remember a conversation I had with someone who used to spend a lot of time investigating paranormal incidents in the Southwest, specifically the desert. You know, when you're talking about the Southwest, the deserts, the, the, the legends out there are incredible from skinwalkers to lost Apache treasure, um, openings to the underworld, throne rooms for giants, probably Nephilim. Um, but but portals, that is huge. I've been told that these portals are as predictable as the opening and closing of heart valves and reading 
I was remember reading one fantastical story about a person witnessing a portal opening somewhere in the Arizona desert. And by the portals opening was like a, a group of a mixed group of like alien greys, dog men, other cryptid types that were getting in and out of it as if they were using an elevator in a shopping mall. What kind of um, what kind of work have you done into that? What kind of fact patterns have you been able to build up around portal stories? Is it geographical patterns? Is it longitude and latitude? Is it only rural, dense state parks or something like that? Or is there any, you know, urban contingency uh, in any of these stories? Give me a little bit of a crash course of what you know about these. Ah, oh, man. I think I think they can be... I don't think they need to be on a ley line. I don't think they need to be in, in um, you know, the desert. But I... I, I think I have a theory. Okay. This is a theory of mine. I don't, I, I think that if we're going to put a percentage of chance of it being, you know, that, oh, that's definitely it. Uh, maybe 30, maybe 30% chance. Uh, but you start hearing about a lot of these different locations and a lot of them kind of line up with other paranormal activity, not just portals. And, uh, when you look through the history of it, you start seeing some patterns with uh, the, what people were doing there as far as rituals go. And I I have a theory that I, I think that there are certain, maybe not even all locations, but I think there are certain locations where people throughout history have gravitated to for their own spiritual reasons and have done rituals over and over again and kind of like the wearing down of a tire on a car the more miles you drive it the thinner the wall gets mm. I, feel, I feel like the the veil becomes thinner and thinner the harder you work it and uh i think there are certain locations that the, the veil has become very very thin because of the activity that has happened there for a very long time throughout generations uh but it's not the, it's not always the case i mean i i have a, a guy in just two hours north of me in Kentucky. I've been to his property. Um, he sent me a picture of a, of a portal that opened up on his property. What does it look uh, like when captured green. by film? It was green and it was uh, very uh, uh, plasma type looking. Um, and what's interesting is he saw with his naked eye, hold his phone up to take a picture. He takes a picture of it. And then when he looks down, looks up, it's gone. It happened that fast. And so he actually caught this on camera and what's really cool about it is when you when you when you see it uh you look you're looking at a tree in the foreground and this portal behind the tree and then there's trees behind the portal it was literally between trees that you see this thing open up it was like a big i would say probably four or five feet high off the ground plasma looking like like a like a fluorescent green looking portal i can send you the picture um, i would i would love to see this yeah, I, yeah for sure um it, it and i've been to his property he has some amazing stuff happening around him in, in kentucky now you could say maybe that that area was frequented by native americans and maybe they were doing a lot of rituals uh five minutes from his house is what i call the magical cave of mystery uh he's been visiting it since he was a child uh this cave when you first go in like with the opening of the cave is probably about 15, 20 feet high, probably about 30 feet wide. And you walk into this cave and the ceilings are about 30 feet high. And this thing just goes back, has different caverns and it goes back for miles. He said that he's explored maybe about a mile back 
but there's all these offshoots that he hasn't even totally explored all the offshoots since he was a kid. Is that anywhere near Pulaski? Pulaski. I'm not oh. familiar with Pulaski. This what where I'm talking about, it's in uh the southern uh Daniel Boone National Forest area. Because uh, I I mean you might have already listened to the have you ever listened to the Penny Royal podcast? I, I have. I haven't listened to the whole thing, but uh, that, that's it, all Pula that's Pulaski, uh, Kentucky. I, I would say it was probably about 30, 30, 30 minutes to an hour from there, I'd say. I know I drove through Somerset going to his place when we were doing a documentary. He's actually going to be in uh, one of our documentaries coming out this fall. So, yeah. Yeah, it's that general area. And that's the other thing about um, Penny Royal is they, um, like other like other stories as well, there's a little bit of a uh, a commonality between whether or not in a certain region has a high uh, you know a high density of earth rare rare earth minerals or a high density of quartz or something like that something some kind of a crystal mm -hmm. i don't know aspect to the geography that almost like magnifies what what kind of energy might be there it's really interesting about the whole um the, that that usage of you know ritual to be able to thin the veil a little bit more then all of a sudden there is uh there's very little there to 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 keep one one place separated from the other that's so let that. me let me tell you real quick uh because what you just said said sparked in my mind a, a mutual person i know you know shane cashman cashman from uh tim pool's camp yeah uh Sh shane the fr I, I became friends with shane because of this um when he first came on tim's show he it was for Halloween Halloween time and you know, at the time Shane was being hired basically to do the Inverted World podcast paranormal stuff like right up my alley. He wasn't the journalist that he is today uh, for Tim, but um, on the show he talks about how he was interviewing a, a woman who was in a school of mystery. It's where you learn witchcraft. It's it, there 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 are some public schools of mystery, but I think the real the real ones, the ones that are the heavy stuff are the ones that you're not going to find online. It's all word of mouth, secretive type stuff. Like, I don't know if it's Harry Potter level or what, but it's the school of mystery where you learn how to do magic. Um, she said that they were learning how to open up portals and she actually saw a portal open up and an upright walking dog walk through. And so, uh, Shane talks about that. And uh, you mentioned about the the creatures coming through in and out of the portals. I'm, I'm telling you, man, like the, this, the, these these portals are doorways into our realm that spiritual. I don't even want to say spiritual because I feel like that kind of gives it a, a, a not what I'm trying to go for. Interdimensional where interdimensional beings use the, these portals as doorways to come through and they and to, to leave. They have the keys to this door that we don't have. And um I have my thoughts as to why that is, but um, clearly these things are opening portals and coming through and uh, creating havoc and then going back. Uh, and I don't know. I, I that Listen, you're talking to a guy that, you know, in his spare time, which is very rare, so usually it's for a documentary, goes out in the woods looking for this stuff. Um, just like two months ago, I was, I was in a very hot zone area and we had some wild things happen that will be on film in, in, in February or, uh, October, probably this year. Um, it, it, listen, this stuff is, is happening and it's very, very real. Uh, what it is, I don't know why I, I have my thoughts, but like why they're doing it. I just think that they're, they're, it's becoming more prevalent and frequent because, 
uh, of the coming age, uh, coming of the age, the the coming times of uh, a future battle. I think I'm talking like a real, a kinetic re- battle, very real. I mean, this yep. is that, that's that's what I've been getting from a lot of recent guests and even old uh, returning guests, people like Timothy Alberino. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into this stuff a lot. And I started realizing first by talking to, to Timothy, that this was that these battles between earth, between heaven and hell or earth, heaven, all that stuff, they, they weren't in some ethereal realm where everybody is, you know, firing angel magic at each other. I I don't, you know, when you, when you think of a, a battle in heaven as a child, you're trying to, you're trying to imagine, okay, well, what do angels fight with magic swords or you know there has to be something fan you know fantasy based yeah is it are they just shooting energy at each other is it you know alakazam kind of stuff and then and now the last couple of years it was like no 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 frank we're talking about kinetic war and that has been one hell of a pill to swallow and when you talk about this stuff like the opening of, of portals and dogmen walking in and out I often ask myself the same question, and I don't know who the hell you can really ask other than them what they're doing, because it's like a day, it it seems like they're just conducting another day in the office. You and I wake up in the morning, we have our our itinerary, and we go to work. Apparently, these upright walking dogs, uh, they've got an appointment to keep. (laughs) You you just wish you could know what exactly are you doing, Um, and who the hell can you ask? You know, I had this, this came in from a Sir Shackelford on um, on Twitter, said, Frank, something growled at me so loudly in the woods when I was a kid that it made all the organs in my chest cavity vibrate. The odd thing is that I was in the city of Houston, not the countryside. I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on the growing amount of dogman sightings. Now, when you talk about this, because I saw that you did a, you, you had something released on your, your blog recently, asking the question of whether or not um, the upright walking dogs are biblical. Um, I'd love for you to to tell me if you can really articulate the difference between dog man, say, with a werewolf or anything else, and 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 where the the question of whether or not these are biblical creatures can actually even be um, suggested. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't know um, if I can be the one to make that argument okay. either way uh my friend i mentioned it before my friend joel makes that argument uh very very articulately he studied it uh and I, he did a, i think you might be referencing a podcast that i had him do for me called biblical dogman yeah yeah it, joel joel it, he so that was during the christmas season and i had him host the show for me and he he did it, that episode um but i i can say that i think that there there are there probably are differences between what people are experiencing in in origin if that makes sense so um i think that there's a possibility that the people that encounter a dog man let's just say generically speaking an upright walking dog uh what they're experiencing might have come from different locations different places different places of origin uh i think that there's a chance well, one, we've already established the interdimensional thing. Like, I think that there's definitely a, a strong likelihood that these things are coming in and out of our realm. That's one breed of it, right? There's, a, there's, I think there is a chance, though, that sometimes people are coming in contact with less of a creature 
and more of a human doing black magic uh, type rituals, uh, maybe even skinwalker type rituals. Uh, and I never really thought about this a whole lot until my cameraman on our first, we, we had a documentary. Uh, our first one was Expedition Dogman. We were hunting the dogman in Kentucky. And um, we were sitting around talking about the possibilities. And he suggested, and he comes from a, a th this kind of line of thinking, like thinking more along like these lines. Um, he said, what if somebody is practicing a ritual and part of the ritual, which this is a ritual, they'll, they'll wear the skin of a wolf and they're trying to transform their body into uh, an upright walking dog, a werewolf, a, a creature like that. And he said, what if they never actually transform their body, but the ritual and the spell that they're casting, if somebody comes across them in the middle of that, falls under that spell, and what they perceive is an upright walking dog, when in reality it's somebody doing some very dark magic right there in front of them. Like a, almost like a, a tulpa, like I brought before, like a, a mental projection that you you can actually put enough intense behind that you can create this projection of you plus dog. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And, and, uh, I thought it was a very interesting way of thinking about it. And, you know, the way I do things is I I'm open to hearing all suggestions. I've never seen it. I've never talked to it. I don't, I, you know, so like, I listen, we could talk about it all day long. We, we but, take all these different suggestions, but that's, that's, that's what I, I would like to maybe end with you or start to, to end with you on. Cause it's 20 to nine and you've already given me so much more than I, I thought we would, we would do. And, it's clear to me that this is going to one day become an anthology of, of discussions between us. But um, how does this, I mean, I, I guess I can, we started off about your theories, your beliefs, reality, consciousness, but um, when you're always on the hunt for ghosts and dogmen, wolfmen, Bigfoot, um, you know, these are things that I've been interested in, and so many others have been interested in for years, and they have their, they have their experiences, but again, physical evidence is so sparse um, compared to sworn testimony of people who know that they experienced something, that the the thing that they experienced was a very sober, sobering reality, whether it be experienced campers that have gone deep into the California wilderness and have heard Bigfoot, have smelled the odor. Uh, they know that is it is unlike any anything that lives in that place. Uh, David Politis's work, Missing 411, stands on its own. Um, the, I mean, that is inexplicable. You have to go to, you have to go to places unimaginable to try to actually find something that makes sense about all those, uh, those disappearances. But again, what are we talking about with physical evidence? I read in, in Wisconsin last week, a, a, an albino buck, 240 pound deer that had been very famous in the area, very rare, mythical-like creature, almost like its own unicorn. Died naturally. They found it on the side of a hill after 16 years of, of you know, famous living in Wisconsin, protected by the local government. This albino buck died. They found its body. It's just natural causes. Uh, uh, time and time again, we say we've never found, you know, a femur bone of a, of a Bigfoot anywhere. Uh, do, do they dissolve like Yoda after they die? I, I don't... I don't know, but that's the whole thing that really holds people back. It's physical evidence to hold up against really compelling personal testimony. How do you reconcile all of that um, that lack 
after all these years? Yeah, um, I think that there's probably been physical evidence just not accepted by people, just like I could probably put it, I could show you evidence uh, of me catching a Bigfoot or a dogman on footage and people will call me a liar and say it's, it's fake. Uh, there, there was, I think it was called the Genome Project, and that was done by, Lydis was part of that, uh, my, my late friend Scott Carpenter, was part of it. Uh, Dr. Um, Ketchum was part of it. And uh, they went about scientifically gathering evidence of that was left behind of these things and having it tested. Um, Scott was key in that. He, if, and Scott is from the town I live in right now, where I'm sitting. He used to live 10 minutes from me before he passed away in August. And um, this area, in fact, what people are going to see in my documentary coming up is the area that he used to research and got a lot of this evidence out of. Um, he would have methodologies to gather evidence, such as um, putting things high up in the tree, like a, a Snickers, right, or something like that, and then wrapping around the, the, the limbs of the trees around that whole thing with uh, tape, reverse tape, though, so the sticky side out. And he was collecting hair symbols. Now, of course, you can have tons of different things, leave hair and stuff, but when you when you have it tested, that's when you get those answers as to what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, he also had gotten one. Th this was an interesting one where he had gotten uh, he had put like a Snickers bar up there. So I still have a freaking Snickers bar out there that I haven't went and checked on yet. So it's probably long gone by a raccoon or a bear. Uh, but uh, he put it up in the tree, comes back and he finds the wrapper. And the wrapper was squeezed like it was like a like an ice pop. You know, it's just squeezing the, the juice out, the guts out. And it was only half of it. And he's like, where's the other one, the other, the other half? And he starts looking around, and he, fa he found it balled up on the ground, covered in saliva. And his thought was that uh, whatever this was, squeezed it, bit it off, chewed it up in his mouth, and spit out the wrapper. And it was covered in saliva. And he collected that kind of stuff. And they sent it out, and 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 I don't know the methodology behind it. I I haven't worked with these people, but the, like he had people who knew how to collect this stuff, working with him. Uh, Les Stroud has it was friends with Scott and has been to these areas, uh, and they sent out this stuff, and it came back that the the mother was, uh, um, oh, I forget what he what what the results were, but it was it was half human, half unknown is what I'll say. I don't remember if the if the one side was human or what, but it, or mother or father human. I think it was mother human, but it was like half human, half unknown or something like that. Uh, the DNA was, and so there, the 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 whole study kind of put the whole world upside down. It came out before its time, kind of thing. I think it came out in 2015, 2016, and the world of this stuff wasn't where it's at now. I think nowadays people would be much more open and perceptive to the idea of hybrid creatures uh, and the, the route we go with like Nephilim type DNA. Uh, that's what Scott believed they were. Uh, but I, I to kind of answer your question, I think there has been evidences there. There's, there's um, you find trackways that have one that have hair on them Uh and every time somebody sends it off to get tested and it comes back half human, half unknown, they're just like, oh, it was contaminated, 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 contaminated. It's like, or, or maybe we're dealing with something that is half human and half something we don't recognize. Um, but like we have these footprints, like I, out in my hallway here of my office, I have a footprint, a very famous footprint 
that actually has uh, dermal ridges on it. I mean, this thing is like, I think it's like 16, 17 inches long. And the toe, the toes actually have dermal ridges on it. And you could, it, it was casted like that. And, um, you know, so like there's, there's evidences like that, but I know what people want. They want the physical body brought in. Um, and I'm not opposed to shooting one if I see it. And that's all I can tell people. Yeah. Right? You, well, yeah. There's, there, and I, and I get that. And to your first point, it's something that can't be discounted, uh, at all. It's just that there's just at this point, anything that you give people, everybody's going to say, Oh, it's, it, it's, it's, that's not, that's bullshit. That's fake. It's yeah. either, Oh, it's not clear enough. It's fake. Oh, it's too clear. It's fake. It's CGI. It, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a long, long twisted road. And then of course you start getting into ideology because, um, you know, for example, when you start talking about Bigfoot, um, eventually somebody will bring up someone like Lloyd Pye. Um, and cause I, I have, I've watched his presentations time and time again, that, that goes into the speculating of whether or not there was a hybridization program where, uh, you know, this whole idea of a missing link is ridiculous because you see that there are different hominids, you know, where there's overlap between species that it's not an evolution, this long um, uh, rolling evolution that ends up with us being this. And of course, someone like him will go to Anunnaki. And then when you start talking, you know, you, when you start talking about Anunnaki, that'll get a lot of people who are very, uh, unless unless you then take it a further than that and say the Anunnaki are the watchers that created the, the Nephilim. You know, so it's like, where does one person take a theory? Where do they stop? Does it conflict with somebody else's beliefs that they can't accept that, so they have to modify? You know, it, it, it's so crazy how much, how many hurdles have to be cleared in order for everybody to get behind seeing something, which is why I think that everybody really ultimately would appreciate, even though at this point, if there was a mass witnessed experience in the sky, nobody would believe it either because we've been talking about blue beam for so long. So it's like, it would be great if we could have a collective experience where that is completely undeniable, but even that has been corrupted at this point. And <laughs> I, listen, I, I think, I, I honestly think the best way to prove this is real, catch it on camera, very clear footage and have it killing somebody and having that person's death record apparent and obvious like it, that, that, this person we have on camera dying by the hands of this thing. This person is literally dead now. This is not fake. You know, like, like, I, I mean, it, it, is that morbid? Probably. But I mean, at my, in my world that I live in and just sharing things that I find interesting, be like, oh, that's fake. That's fake. That's fake. So you start thinking like, what could possibly get people to believe that this is real if it is real? And I'm like, they probably would need to see me die on camera. By the hands of this thing yeah and, and so i mean I, I listen i um i don't know i mean i, I know you want to end at nine and stuff so uh no, we, we, we can as as long as you're feeling all right over there i i i just want to be able to get all of your your thoughts on what we're talking about right now on the record to whatever level you're comfortable and then yeah. we'll end i don't care how much overtime we do let's just go for it okay uh i i, I kept on saying this and and I, i'm trying to be more sensitive to uh, people and how I, I, I deliver messages, uh, in a sense of this, like, I don't care if you're a snowflake and, and I hurt your feelings or something like, like for instance, uh, when it comes to Bigfoot dog, man, people, there's no kill, there's kill, right? I'm in the kill camp. If I have a clear shot on the thing and I think I can kill it, I'm going to kill it. 
that's just that's how I feel about it. I don't feel bad about it. Uh, I got two pigs that I raised from piglets in my backyard right now that are getting ready to be harvested by my hand. Like I, I just don't. Have you I done that before? Or is this gonna be your first time? My first time. Oh yeah. boy, are you getting nervous? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. I I I. I I've killed sick chickens and fed them to the pigs. I I I have a sick cat in my house. My feet that thing to the pigs. Like I I'm oh. I'm kind of like you're I, becoming kinda, you're a real farmer. Yeah, yeah, I got oh yeah, I got chickens and pigs and I might be doing some cows uh uh in, a, in maybe a year or two from now when I, my my schedule hopefully clears up more. Cuz those that, that's more of a, a dedicated process. Like it takes time. Um but um that's just kind of how I am. So I, I just don't get emotionally tied to a whole lot of things. And so, uh, and especially with people who think that Bigfoot is a form of human, they're like, how could you? Well, you know, I, I don't really mind killing a human if I feel threatened either. So it is what it is. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of, I'm trying to be more sensitive and I just kind of blew that out of the water. But um, part of that process of being sensitive is understanding that I say things sometimes that leave people on the edge of the seat and leave them thirsty and and not quenching that thirst and i and i don't mean to do that uh and so for the first time ever i think uh, publicly i'm going to tell you a story of what happened to me in uh in, in here in tennessee actually that, that we're going to be releasing on the documentary for people okay. later this year if you're okay with that absolutely i mean you can give us the cliff i don't you don't i don't want you yeah. to, to ruin any work you've done but if you want to give us uh some cliff notes and hey watch the the documentary for all the details hell i want to hear about it i i so i i kind of operate on the same philosophy like my, my team tells me i talk too much and so i kind of i try to be guarded but at the same time i understand the best way to tell to sell a book is to tell people what's in it you know and so uh we we uh, we were shooting a documentary on the fly. We, we were planning on shooting a certain documentary that last minute turned out was not possible to happen. And so we had already invested a lot of money in shooting a documentary and we're like, okay, so we need to do something. And uh, so we found ourselves in Hopkinsville, Kentucky and not knowing what we're gonna do for our documentary, even though Hopkinsville is a great starting point. Um, we decided to set, travel across the state and we just so happened in the, the day that I found out this documentary wasn't going to happen the way I thought it was, and I'm stressing out of my mind, it's a weekend. I'm four hours from home. My wife texts me, and she says, hey, listen, I know I broke the rules of engagement. In our house, the rules of engagement is on Saturday and Sunday, you don't touch work. Maybe I will, but my wife, her, her, she's off duty, you know, So no, because my wife does all my administration work right now, and so, uh, well, most of it, but... um. She broke the rules of engagement and she went on the email and we just so happened to get an email from a guy in Kentucky on the other side of the state that was claiming that the night before he had shot at a dog man that was on his property. And I was like, get me that guy's number because we're coming. And uh, so we, we traveled across the state, visited that guy's property for a night. Then we went to the guy's property that I told you about with the cape, magical cave of mystery is how I, I call it. And it probably will not be called that in the film, but personally, I just think it's fun. Um, and then that was, that was a, a second location. We're like, okay, we're, we need something else. And so uh, we decided to drive south into Tennessee, my home area, and uh, go into the Smokies to where Scott Carpenter uh, filmed a portal. And uh, we went to this location and... You know, his son actually took us out there. It was really kind of emotional for me and his son because, you know, obviously it's his dad and his dad's not here. And his dad was a friend of mine that I never expected to pass away when he did. And um, 
to stand at the location of this portal where his dad filmed it and something coming through uh, was very, very surreal. And so we spent the night there and we, we uh, departed and we, we all went our separate ways. Some went to Colorado, some went to Ohio, some went to Georgia. And about a week later, we're all just kind of like, it was a good trip. And it was, there, there was a lot of good stuff. We have a good film here, but we feel like we're missing something. There's just something we're not hitting yet. And so I got not the whole crew together, but a few of the guys together. And um, to be exact, three, four of them, me, me, my brother, Ward, and Joel. And we hit, we hit this area again. And we went to the location where Scott would do his research, um, and where he got his DNA evidence, uh, where he got the dog man on footage. Um, and I had my friend Brian meet me there. I told him that we were going out there. And I said, I want you to be there because he's a local YouTuber. And uh, I said, I want you to do an interview for me just for content. And uh, so to prepare, he went out to the area to, in the morning time on his motorcycle just to canvas the area. And he found a print in the mud on this trail that was uh, probably about like this big, I'd say. I mean, he put his skull can next to it and it dwarfed the skull can. And it was a canine print. Uh, the way I, I'm not a professional tracker, but the way I've been taught by trackers is to be able to tell the difference, the main difference between a, a canine and a, and, a, and a cat is cats walk with their print. When you hit, see a cat print, their nails are retracted. You don't see the nails. But dogs, their their nails are always out, and you're going to see the nails in the print. And that's what this was, very clear. He actually made a cast of it. He came out, showed the pictures, cast, all that. I'm like, whoa, okay. So it was a fresh, fresh print within hours at least. And there's no, now, there, and there's no, there's no breed of anything that's canine that would match up with that size. So there's red wolves that they tried reinducing, reintroducing to this area. They say that they don't exist here, that they didn't take. Uh, I have a, a, a listener of the show that's on the other side of town here. He owns 80 acres uh, butting up against the Cherokee, uh, the, the National Forest. And um, he says he has red wolves on game trail cam. But these red wolves won't leave a print that large. Uh, they're not that big. Um, and so there's nothing native to this area that, that should leave a print that big. And so I'm jacked. Like he went, when he texts me the picture of it, I'm like, yo, let's go. And uh, we get out there and he walks with us. It's evening time. And he kind of comes with us through the woods, going back to these different locations. And he's shooting some stuff for his, his uh, YouTube channel. And um, then night falls and he's like, all right, boys, good luck. And he's like, cause he's like, you're really staying out here. I was like, Oh yeah, we're staying out here. And he's like, you're crazy, man. And I was like, Oh yeah, crazy, stupid. I don't know. Um, so we, we spend the night out there. And we walk around and we're doing different things. And uh, we get to a point where traditionally, and we're changing this moving forward a lot. Uh, traditionally, Joel, the guy I mentioned earlier, he comes out with us. Uh, traditionally, he will be the one that kind of goes off on on his own. And we let him kind of go and, and be a solo act out there. Uh, moving forward, Joel will do it. I'll do it. And him and I will do it together because we're, we're learning as we go that, um, one, I like... Like it's me, like people want to see me on camera. So I should be doing this as well. And uh, we're also learning that Joel is, is uh, growing his own audience and fandom. And so people would love to see us do it together. So anyways, he goes out, comes back. 
It's probably about one, one thirty in the morning. We're, we're getting pretty cooked and it is freezing out there. We're all huddled around a fire underprepared. Uh, didn't expect it to get that cold. And you know, you hit that kind of point mentally where you're just like, I don't know, man, like, should we call it, you know, it's kind of dead. And we did get that print. Maybe that's all we'll get. Um, and I told, I said, I walked over to Joel and I said, Hey, if, uh, if I go out with you, you want to go out one more time? He said, yeah, if you go, I'll go. And I was like, cool. So we hiked out and we went to the location where we got that, that print earlier in the day. And when we got there, I look and I we're on this trail and I look to my left and right. And I see these trails going off this, this other trail. And I was like, you know what, this, this print's going in that direction. And I said, I bet you this thing came off this, this way and went right back that way. And I said, let's go. And so we hiked down this trail. And it's like, when you go into this, this, this area, you're going on this little trail and the trees are like a canopy that kind of cover over you. And you feel like you're just walking through this hallway of nature, like this, 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 it's like a natural hallway. And the trail that you were, you were following, these were the gigantic prints. Yeah. And, and, and when, and when you're saying, you know, you're talking about before you found a print, you took, you got the cast and all that stuff made, but now that you're on the trail, they size up, they size up well to what you had found before. And are they indicative of something that is bipedal? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, what, what I'm talking about is the prints that my friend found earlier today. That's what we're, um, what I'm talking about. We didn't find additional prints. Okay. But what we did find is uh, it was um, the prints were in the mud where we found it. And then it, it was like this weird spot where water collected. So it was real muddy, but the other areas really weren't that muddy. So it wasn't like we could have a trail to see where it was going. But the prints that we saw, it wasn't, it wasn't indicative of something on four legs. And even if it was on four legs, these things do get down on all four and walk that way as well. Um, we go, we go off in this trail and we hike it all the way down to the river and nothing, but you're, you're creeped out of your mind because you can't see what's next to you. Like you just can't like, I mean, you can shine the flashlight, but without that, it's just like, there's a wall there that you just don't know what's on the other side of it. And, um, we come out to the main trail again and we go down the other trail that we ventured to just a guess that maybe this thing came off of. And we got in there just shortly and it just, it was really overgrown. It was clear to me that nothing came through there of size recently. So we backed out instead of trying to fight through all that crap. Um, we backed out and we started walking away and we started making our way back to base camp. And as we're walking, we see another trail going off. And I said, Hey man, like, let's just check this trail out, you know? And he's like, all right. So we start walking in. And as soon as we walked in, anybody who's kind of looked into these phenomenons, Bigfoot, Dogman, uh, sense of smell, um, people will claim that they, they smelled like a trashy, disgusting yeah. smell. Well, that's kind of what came in. It was like a big whiff of it. And it didn't smell good. But my description of it is not what Joel would describe. And, I, and him and I haven't talked in detail about it yet. But when I described this, after the fact at base camp, he kind of looked at me like, you freaking nuts, bro. Like, so, but what I smelled was it almost smelled like the way I described it is like, if it was like an old man getting out of the shower with like a musty smell, like it didn't smell like trashy. I want to vomit disgusting, but it just, it didn't smell good, you know? And, um, this smell came in and then it left. And so we keep hiking in. And we we're talking about it. And that this whole trip, I'm I'm filming myself with my night vision camera. Um, we don't have a cameraman with us on this part of it. Like Ward is our cameraman. He's back at base camp. And so it's more of like a vloggy type video. 
And so we're talking about him, holding the camera out, filming me, filming Joel. And um, it smell comes in again. And then it goes. And that happened like three times. And it got, it, it, mind you, I was sick at the time. I was in the beginning stages of a severe respiratory infection. And, um, and I, got, I, I got sick in that moment, like stick to my stomach. And I wasn't sick to my stomach beforehand. And people say that in the presence of these things, the, the whole um, uh, zapping type thing, you know, that they, these things have a way of making you sick. Uh, and I got sick. I got real sick to my stomach. And, and you can say that was, you know, Bigfoot or Dogman, or maybe it was the snot going into my stomach and making me sick. Uh, either way, I was sick. And I felt like I was going to hurl. And you see it on camera. I lean over and put my hands on my knees. And so the camera's like pointing at my ankles. And I'm just saying, man, I am not feeling good. I feel like I'm going to hurl. And I, I kind of just stopped and I kneeled down. And I said to Joel, I said, man, I'm sick and tired of these things avoiding me. Like, like these, all these people I talk to and I freaking can't get, I can't, I can't have an interaction. I can't see one of these things. You're, and, you're brave for even wanting it. Um, it, it intrigues, <laughs> it intrigues the hell out of me, but I'd rather talk with somebody who has done it than have, than go into a, a wooded area at night and, and try to have a confrontation with one of these mythical cryptid. Uh, I mean, I mean, that's just, uh, I, well, I, I don't think that it's easy to have happen. Yeah. That's probably why I feel the way I, the way, the reason why I can do what I do. Cause I think that more often than not, the odds are nothing's going to happen to me. Mm. Like, it's not that easy or else I would have done it already. Um, and so, but it's frustrating in the moment. Cause like, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be killed by something, but I mean, listen, I, I I'm a thrill seeker and so is Joel. Uh, and I want to, I, I like, I want that experience for me. I'd love to catch it on camera. I'd love to be able to post it, you know, on my documentary and everybody say, Oh, that's fake. And it's like, you can believe whatever you want, bro. I know what I experienced, you know? Uh, but and the other so thing is that you're hot on the trail on somebody who said, listen, this just happened. So you yeah. went out there to investigate something that's already happened, and all of a sudden you are confronted with authentic, anomalous um, uh, footprints, uh, a trail. Uh, th th nobody would be able to simulate the, the smell or anything else that's going on there. It seemed like you were so close but so far. And this is going to be the basis of the, the movie that's coming out? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I can't wait to watch it. Whenever it comes out, I, I can't wait to watch it. I really, I really can't. I'm thinking probably Halloween around Halloween this year, it will probably be out. Um, so, um, at that moment I kind of just squat down and I just told him, I said, let's just kind of, let's just kind of sit here a little bit and it's pitch black. I mean, you can't see anything. And the only way I could see anything is if I have my night vision camera up I and mean, we have flashlights, but they're off. Um, and so we, I squat down and I said, let's just, just sit here for a few minutes and just let the, um, that's our thing. So we don't bring, uh, um, uh, uh, what's it called? The, the, the voice boxes out. We're, we're not saying if you're here, can you tell us whatever, no, whatever, no we EVPs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, we catch EVPs, but we don't, we're not trying, we're not asking for it. We're not trying to communicate. God says, do not practice necromancy. We're not trying to communicate with things We're we're just, Listen, I've talked to enough people who've had experiences where they weren't asking for the experience. It just happened to know that, listen, we're going to areas that this stuff is claimed to have happened frequently. Let's just spend extended times in these areas and let the environment unfold around us where we're intentionally being aware of what's going on around us and see what happens. And we've done this several times and we've had a lot of action. I, it, it, we spend like three, four days in specific areas 
And when you let the environment just happen around you, it reveals itself to you. And um, so we're sitting there and I, while I'm sitting there, Joel's kind of walking around. I really, I hear him walking around. I can't really see him. And at, the, at this point I took my camera and it was on like a little handheld tripod and I kind of set it up in the grass in front of me. And so I'm squatted down and it's level with me. And um, unfortunately, uh, there was a grass going up in front of the lens. So it focused on that. So I was blurry a little bit, which sucks, but it's not, doesn't really matter for the story or the experience. Um, and so I'm sitting there and we're talking and he goes, maybe that's it though. Referring to what I said about these things, avoiding me, he said, maybe, uh, we want it too hard and, or something like that. And, um, and, and so in my head, I went woo woo Tony on it. And I was like, okay, just don't want it. Just, don't want just it. don't want it don't want it. And I'm trying to convince myself, you don't want this interaction. You don't want this experience. And so I'm just telling myself, don't want it, don't want it, don't want it. And I do that for a few minutes. And um, I don't tell him that I'm doing it. It's just, I'm not even thinking anything's of it. And I'm just like, oh, well, whatever. Uh, and then we kind of hear something off behind the camera in front of me behind the camera. And uh, I stand up and uh, I can't remember exactly how all this unfolded. And what's interesting is what unfolded in person is not exactly what we recorded, which is really interesting. Um, but I stand up. So now at this point, you're seeing basically my, my belly and down. You're not seeing my chest, my face, uh, because the camera's on the ground. And I'm standing there not even thinking about filming. I'm not a cameraman. I don't think about this stuff. Uh, and we're talking, and we hear something moving off behind the camera and we acknowledge it and we're standing there and we're just quiet and and joel's just off the frame next to me and we're kind of just observing and listening and looking into the dark and then all of a sudden we hear something bipedal charging us and it came up on us fast we the camera that i had rolling um had a shotgun microphone on it facing me so it's going to catch really good audio in front of me and be, or in front of it and behind the camera it will catch audio just not as clear we caught the audio on we caught it on audio and so whatever this was and i'm telling you this thing charged up on us fast and it was apparent uh we did catch it on audio even though the shotgun microphone was pointing away from it and when this when this thing came up on us it was bipedal it was running towards us or at least trotting, like it was jogging towards us. Um, we both hear it at the same time. Joel, I've never heard Joel yell. Like we've been in some kind of little nerve-wracking situations. Never heard Joel yell, ever. Joel yelled because it was coming and it was coming in hot. And if, if, from my perspective, and I'm on camera during this, from my perspective, it was coming at me now. And I have a 10 millimeter handgun on my hip. And you see me actually step to my right because I'm thinking this thing's coming. I'm trying to step aside to if this thing's just going to run through. And at the same time, I pull out my handgun and I, I hold it up at, the, at this thing coming. And it runs up and it stops right behind the camera. Right in front of me. You see this. Our, fla our flashlights are on. Your eye, so you, you have lights and your eyes on this thing. Yes and no. Because what? this thing came running up and stopped behind the camera and we're shining our lights at it and we don't see a freaking thing. I have no idea what was standing right in front of me, but it was right 
there. We both reacted. You see us reacting to it. You hear us react. It was really apparent something large was charging us. It scared the crap out of us. I've never pulled my gun out on camera. I've never had to do that. We've had ARs before, but we never had to draw our weapons ever. And this thing came running up on us. Lights go on. We're looking. And it's not there. It's there. But it's not there. Okay. Now let me and, ask you, let, let me let me let me ask, let me take over from here. At that point, you guys are you have you have a choice to to make. Most people say, "Grab your shit, get the, let's get the fuck out of here." Do you guys stick around? Do you when you see that there's nothing there, do you have the the the, the guts to go and examine the brush? Is there any any physical evidence of something that was making a charge through there even though you don't see anything? Like, what did you do after the fact with that as far as examining the, the, the area that you just heard this stuff going on? And in the lead up to this, going back to like David Politis again, missing 411, the people who have had, who have survived these encounters in wooded areas and stuff like that, where, where they will hear all of the local uh, fauna disappear crickets, birds, whatever the hell it is, it will go almost like you're in an insulated, sound treated acoustic room. And then all of a sudden, what they do see is similar to like Predator, where it's translucent. You can see almost like moving cellophane coming your way. Was there any physical form that you saw, even if it was just a displacement of time and space, but nothing actually physical? Uh, you know, so was there anything or was it all just audible? Was it just sound? And once you realized there was nothing in front of you and it all stopped, did you examine the brush and anything that could have been physically broken in that charge? So uh, I can answer that quickly and finish the story as well at the same time. Great. Uh, the answer is no. We were scared. I was scared. This was, this was, it was, it was a scary situation. And what happened next scared us out of the area. Um, so I step to the side, my gun's drawn, this thing stops. We're like, what? And we're, 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 we're literally standing there for I, maybe 20 seconds, maybe. And we're, I, I put my gun back in, which I do wonder if I would have just popped off around right in that direction, what would have happened? Um, didn't think about it at the time, but I, I'm putting my gun away. And we get a we get a call in from on the radio because they back at base camp they heard the yell and they're like what's going on, and Joel's just like I, I forget what Joel said but probably something like you know hang on a second you know we just had something charges or whatever, and Ward is like you guys are kidding me right like you're you're kidding and right when this inter interaction's happening it's all happening fast uh, behind us something yells at us and we obviously catch that on audio. And it was like your classic cryptid. I wanted to say dog or big man or big man, Bigfoot, but uh, I, I don't know what it was, but it was a, a long yell howl uh, and something. Um, so something, something yelled that out. And at that point we're like, I'm, 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 I'm tapped here. Like I'm, I'm scared. Yeah. And, and oh. so I, I grabbed my, I, I grabbed the camera and we start walking. Ward calls in again because he's thinking we're we're playing games, making noises. 
and uh and uh joel's like and 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 right around this time i don't remember all the layout of how it all happened but when that thing yelled and we're walking we're we're briskly briskly walking uh more started howling off like a bunch of them it sounded like monkeys in the woods getting all riled up and so like this thing charges us then the howl happens and then right after that a bunch of like it sounded like monkeys going off in the woods a lot of them and so ward is on the radio and you hear joel on the radio with ward and he's like that that's not us we we, we had something charge us and now there's a bunch of freaking monkeys going off around us in kentucky in, in tennessee oh tennessee the tennessee monkeys tennessee. yeah tennessee monkeys Maybe that's the documentary uh, title. Um, but um, we book it out of there. We get back to base camp, and uh, we're doing brief debrief with with Ward and my brother. Um, and then something else strange happened. Uh, we and I don't think we were rolling at this time. To be well, honest, don't give it all away because I can't wait. Oh, I already can't wait to hear all to watch this. Okay. All right. So y- 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 because tune in next week for <laughs> no, 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 seriously, because whenever this comes out, first of all, it doesn't matter what you you preview about the night, your encounter hunting dog man, a dog man, not, not that it's a solitary thing, but it, it sounds like this could be a whole, I don't know, a, who, a legion, but um, yeah, I can't now this is going to be another nine months really. this is going to be an October release. You think you're going to need that much time to produce it? No, but everything's timing. I mean, we yeah. we have a we have a documentary we filmed last April that's coming out this spring, and then we have a movie we filmed in Colorado last June, and that's coming out this summer. Dude. You know, you space it out. So yeah, um, I would love to release it now, but it's all timing. It's business. You know? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And you know, if that if that if uh, things go as they have been the last couple of years in October. Uh, we'll, me and, you know, our, our little, uh, crew over here, uh, will be up in the Adirondacks taking a week off to just be in the, in the wilderness up there in the mountains. And if, if that is out there, I would love to watch that in the mountains when, when you release it. Holy shit. That's great. (laughs) You know, you know, Tony, I'm, I'm looking forward to whatever the hell comes next. And I'm glad that you came by here tonight. We've got so much already on the record and, um, it's good. Well, I guess in closing, I'll just say, are you are you happy you have an experience to claim as your own after all this time talking to other people, or do you? Uh, is it something that you you got a little bit too close to, and I think that you, you're you're done, or do you want more? Oh no, I'm not done. Okay. That helped me. So I I I learned through talking with people. It's typically two types of people that have experiences. One, the one person it it scares them away, and they're just like it happened. I don't want nothing to do with it. And then there's other people that become psychotic about it and they just dive into it. And there's like, I gotta, I, I think it's a verification thing. It's like, I gotta, I just gotta have that experience again, just to know it was real. Uh, I'm not in that camp either because I, I really believe it's real and I'm not, it's not uh, that it's just this, listen, this, it, where this happened, there's been a lot of Bigfoot sightings, dogman sightings, uh, a lot it's it this if you want to talk about thinning of the veil areas this is one of those areas and um that's what got me hooked i think is because it's an area that i know it has a rich history with somebody that i i loved and and trust and to know that i had an experience there uh just the experience that i had i'm like man 
I gotta go back. You got skin. I, you got skin in the game now, man. Yeah, like I guess so. I guess so. That's I mean, it. I've I've been back. I've been back since then. Um, I, I listen. I I I I, it, I can't help it. It's it's it from here, right where I'm sitting, right in the studio. I could go out to the road on the right on right out here, make a left, drive 30 minutes, make a right, go back way back in the woods. It's back there. And I um I don't know. I, I just here's I, I, what I do know. It's the year 2034, and you are about to release the first ever sit-down interview with a dog man. <laughs> you're you're gonna you're gonna go you're gonna go there so you're gonna be so familiar with them at a point that they're actually gonna grant you an interview. We finally get all of those questions about what their daily their daily routines are, and you know, no, and nobody will believe it. No, nobody, will, nobody. <laughs> like it's fake. Nobody, it's AI, <laughs> AI. It's somebody in a really amazing costume. Uh, Tony Merkel, uh, the confessionalspodcast dot com. Uh, what's your release schedule? How can people find you? What do you want them to look out for? And again, thank you for your time tonight. Man, I appreciate you inviting me. Um, I en- I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, so you mentioned the Confessionals podcast. That's the uh, the launching pad for everything for me and what I do. But um, I also run a media company now called Merkle Media, and uh, we have a whole structured organization that we're we're building out actually uh, to to make some damage in the media realm. And uh, the website for that is Merkle dot Media. Uh, right now we have two documentaries out. The first one was the first ever I did, which was Expedition Dog Man. Didn't know it was gonna be a documentary. I literally thought it was gonna be a YouTube video, and it turned into uh, one heck of a documentary and a trip. Uh, and I only invested five thousand dollars into it. It was a, it was a great investment. Uh, and then the second one is called The Shape of Shadows. Uh, actually, I'm wearing the T-shirt for it right now. Yep. Uh, and that's basically me. And my team went out to a place called Space Wolf Research, which butts up against Skinwalker Ranch. We spent a week out there. Uh, uncovered a lot of stuff, ritual circles, lights in the sky. We were chased by unknown vehicles. We actually went out chasing. An, a, it's like a high-speed chase. It was all, all, it, all fun, you know, fun stuff that we do when the wives are at home. Um, but, yeah, so the release schedule for this year is we got a, a spring release, a summer release, and a fall release. First one is going to be a documentary where we went out to Washington hunting the Bigfoot with my friend Wes Germer to his infamous location where he had an encounter with this creature, or creatures back in, I think, 2012, and we actually stumbled across a missing person case, and it, it became like a, a Bigfoot slash missing 411 case video where the guy's still missing. Uh, and the last I, I checked his with his fiance, his ex-fiance, she said he's still missing, but the police canvassed the area that we found, and they didn't find him, but they found four other dead bodies. And this was about 200 feet away from ground zero where Wes had his violent uh, Bigfoot encounter. Wow. So that's coming out. Uh, in the spring the fall we have the sasquologist which is our first movie it's a feature film acting great script uh it's about a biologist who is looking for the offspring of patty the patterson gimlin film they migrated to colorado rockies he's on the hunt for them and uh, it's a comedy it's a comedy movie uh serious tone is is at the same time it's very well done it's uh it's gonna be an awesome movie jeez then in the fall we have the uh the film that we just talked about listen if you if you ever shoot anything in the Northeast, anywhere around the tri-state area, please write me in a small role. Write, <laughs> write, write me in a role, man. I don't care what it is. I'll be a you know a shopkeep. I'll be a drunk. Whatever. Just, 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 just. You know, I'll just be in the background. I'll be sleeping on a uh, on a sidewalk. I could be a migrant. I don't know. Whatever the hell you. <laughs> this sounds <laughs> like a lot of fun. I can't wait. And you know, before you go, here is one thing that I have to read a lot of super chats. But here's one I'll read with you on air. 
Curious Patriot said, uh, my son has done soundscapes for Tony. Tell him that Dalton says hi. And thanks. Oh, oh man. I love that dude. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Uh, uh, I was just actually texting Dalton this past week and I hadn't talked to him in a while, but we, I, he, he has done, uh, well, you know, Charlie Robinson, Absolutely. Uh, Charlie Robinson's podcast, Macroaggressions. Dalton did the intro for that, that podcast. Wow. Like he, he, he did the instrumental. He had his friend come over, do the drum track. He did it all. So that intro, which is a legendary one, was done by Dalton, her son. That's fantastic. Well, there you go. Small world. Yeah. Small world. There's so much there's so many resources out there. People got to get more involved. I've been, you know, I, I always say it too. It's, we're, we're nothing without the audience uh, because it's, this is the most crowdfunded thing. We're so yeah. lucky to be coming up and to be laying down foundations while a whole new parallel industry is is coming up the the media we're we're it's uh you can just see that people are manifesting things that they always wanted to see on television and on the big screen for themselves because it takes uh it's easy to raise money and it's easy to do a lot with a little and it's it's wonderful it really is a wonderful time tony merkel thank you for the time here tonight my friend and we will talk soon thank you very much sir all right there you go and there he goes wow we did overtime tonight man we did overtime, 9.20 p.m. I, on at least a couple of my, I have a 9.20, I have a 9.21, I have a 9.23 and a half. So it's sometime around there. Let's get to our Super Chats because we are off for the night after that. Jack Bamberger from Rockfin says, quite frankly, thank you. Thank you, Jack. That's over on Rockfin. Uh, over on Stream Elements on, quite frankly, superchat.com, Car Guys New England says, great show with Tony. How do I sign up for a guard to, to be a guard for a portal? A friend wants to know. Jay, I don't know. I don't know. You got to be a world-renowned uh, military sniper. That's number one. Jay Britt says, great show, Frank. Tony is right in my wheelhouse. This is, that's the wheelhouse. This is, the, like, this is, tonight was the most wheelhousey kind of show for, quite frankly, as well. Man, a little tiny bit of news up front. And then just something to get lost in. And, oh, it felt it felt great. Jay Britz says, great show. I just said that. Uh, Easy Seas says, hey, Frank, I was thinking about Brandon's opening bo open border policy. Could the Ds be playing the long game when the illegal immigrants have kids, their birthright U.S. citizens in 18 to 20 years? There will be a shit ton of blue votes. Thoughts? Oh, that's done. It's already done. That that was early generation stuff, no doubt about it. Um, no doubt. Here's one from Jared from last night that must have came in after we signed off. Jared, Matthew ten twenty eight. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Your possessions and fiat are not worth your soul. Be strong. Be righteous. Don't be gay. That wow, that's in the Bible. I didn't see. I didn't know that. You learn something new every night. Then again, some of you are far more scholarly than I am in that in that uh, in that field. So I'll just follow your lead there. Thank you to Porpoiseful Donasar. These are all our our gold pills. Joe M says, "God bless Texas." Sean Joe, uh, Rocket Man says, "Keep up the great fight, Frank." And frankly, is one hundred percent combat wounded. Vet, make it count. Rocket Man, thank you for being out there. Thank you, sir. 
Um, Curious Patriot said, hat tip to their son Dalton. Amethyst Cat, Rocket Man again, just came on for a one-month gold tier subscription. It's great to have you around. Secret Weapon, thanks, Frank. Matt1776, the boss over there at Pill.net, said, so are these alien entities basically demons, as he as uh, Dade, uh, as he said, demon language? Yeah, Enochian, it's, um, I, that would be a strong implication. That would be a strong implication there. Rise Attire, amazing interview, so pumped for this. Everyone go listen to CPC, Joshua Tree Portal Cult, Mind Splitter. That is the Confessionals podcast. Tony is my homie from Philly. I never met. Love that dude. Thanks, Frank. That's Adrian from Rise Attire. Brewbark says it's all about aliens. Paul Walls' YouTube channel and Fifth Kind Explanations uh, explains a lot. It would make a great guest. Send me a link. Shaquille Oatmeal says Dogface Anubis Ancient or otherworldly or earthly man, bear, pig, chimeric, gene spliced, now designer, ed- gene edition. <laughs> that was a lot. That was a lot. Designer gene editing. Dog face, Anubis, ancient or otherworldly, or earthly man, bear, pig, chimeric, gene spliced, now designer, gene editing. There's a lot. The Sentinel says, riveting, astonishing, scary, and yet compelling. Great guest. Thanks for the OT. Awaiting next time. Uh, Killing a Bigfoot won't prove existence if the deep state don't want it out there. Just saying. That's all from Sentinel. Thank you, Jay Sim. Shaquille Oatmeal again says, fantastic guest. Happy Wednesday. Overtime cast tonight, but thank you for doing so. Firesign Wonders says, off the hook show. Loving it, Frank. Thank you, Firesign. And Neo sent a pair of shades. All right. So listen, I don't have anything uh, lined up for for Wednesday night after hours programming. We did overtime together, though, and uh, I'm going to get some stuff lined up for tomorrow night, though, even though I said that about tonight. But uh, you know what? Just go enjoy the rest of your evening. Relax. And I'm going to do the same. I, I, I have to get something to eat. I'm a little bit wiped out, but I feel good about this show. And therefore, I want to reward myself with some kind of a burger. All right. So. I appreciate you all and enjoy the scratching that I just released. Uh, Is that all? Is that all I have? I think it is. Thank you guys and gals. And thank you again to Tony Merkel. Great show. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now our super chatter, starting with Car Guys New England, Jay Britz, Easy Seas, and Jared. To all of our gold pillars who have been properly scratchened. And to Jack Bamberger on Rockfin. Tomorrow is another day, my friends. Thank you so much for tonight. <laughs>